The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. I don't remember the bit either, but there's a few bits that you go as a comic. I was just talking uh, with uh, Joe Coy about this, where you get inspired by other comics, where you go, God damn, man, I'm not working hard enough. I'm right. not doing enough. That's why it's good to see people that are really good, right? Oh. Because you get that juice. Just like that fuel that you get from Goggins, you get that fuel <laughs> from watching Chappelle oh, or watching Bill Burr. Or watching you guys all touring and doing yeah. these big shows, and it's I go- interesting. Oh, it's, it's exciting, the, but we have to ha- we have to resist the idea of being jealous because it's so common in our world, or or just subtly cunty or taking yeah. shots at kings. Yeah. So like, so yeah. like I, I you know I, I, I we talk, Tom and I talk about this on Two Bears One Cave that's coming up, but like you know Chris Rock got so big for a while that I think people stopped paying the respect he deserved. One hundred percent. And I and when he got COVID, I realized how just how important Chris Rock was to me. Like I like I just you know because I think Norm had just passed, and I was a, the biggest Norm fan in the world. And then Chris Rock got sick, and I and I I did like a deep dive on my own head of like just how fucking great that guy is. Well, if you go back to like bigger and blacker, or you go back to bring the pain, bring the, bring pain. the pain, bring the pain. Those are two of the best specials <laughs> of all time. Like if you want to look at. Your top ten comedians of all time, in my opinion, you have to have Chris Rock in there. Without a doubt, without a doubt, there's no questions. Out you know about who's it. the dark horse? Hold on, give me a second. Now I have a lot of dark horses, but I don't know Martin Lawrence. Martin Lawrence in the 1990s. So people forgot. You must be crazy, dude. Are you so crazy? <laughs> rather, you so crazy, and he had like a couple other specials that were on that same level. He he had like. Two or three specials that were like lightning bolts, and it's hard because you got to compare them for the time. Like comedies, comedy's a weird thing, man. Like even like comedy movies from the '80s or '90s that you thought were the shit, some of them just don't hold up for whatever reason. And stand-up comedy, a lot of it just seems different because the culture's so different, because the world's so like everything's evolving and changing so fast. It's hard, yeah. but there's a few guys from the 1990s. <laughs> That would just obliterate. Like you forgot how good comics can be. And I remember I saw Martin Lawrence at the comedy store many times. Like yeah. seven, ten times when he was in his prime. Somewhere around then. I remember he would come by and just sell out the main room. And you would just sit there and watch him murder. I mean murder. Like I wish people I'd seen that. Falling out of chairs. Mm. I mean screaming in agony because they're laughing so hard. And it was, you know, this was 1994. Martin Lawrence was the king, dude. I'm telling you. The thing, the thing that Chris Rock brought, and and I, once again, I'm, I'm. But hold on, let me sec- to tell you something please. before we go any further. Yeah. One of the things that happened to Chris Rock was he had to follow Martin Lawrence. At the store? No, no. They did a show together. And Chris Rock talked about it. He talked about it, how it forced him to tighten up his act. Because he oh. had to follow Martin Lawrence. And he realized, <clears throat> in no disrespect intended white people, he realized that he said <laughs> that he'd been playing in too many white rooms. And he realized like he had, to, he had gotten like a little bit lazy or maybe yeah. a little slower than he should be. Whatever. He had to develop a style that maybe wasn't. He saw Martin Crush, and then he had a hard time after him. Yeah. And then after that, you get some of the greatest Chris Rock performances of all time. 
After that, you get Bring the Pain. After that, you get Bigger and Blacker. After that, you get oh. some of the greatest bits ever. So he, he, he saw, like we all, like every time you've bombed, how many times, have you, here it goes right here. He goes, uh, one night in Chicago, as usual, I was the headliner, and on this night, my opening act was an up-and-coming comic named Martin Lawrence. Now, normally, I never used to watch the opening acts, but I was in my dressing room and I heard a roar. I got up to see what was going on. I thought it was a fight or something, so I got up and went to the side of the stage. When I got there, I realized it wasn't a fight. It was people laughing so hard that the building was shaking. People were crying, standing, stomping oh their God. feet, screaming laughter. I was terrified. It was like watching somebody fucking your wife with a bigger dick. That's right. how good Martin Lawrence was. I followed Martin Lawrence. Almost every time I worked on a night with Martin Lawrence, Mitzi really? always made me follow Martin Lawrence. I never bombed harder in my life. With three quarters of the audience is walking out as you're going on stage. I mean, three quarters. That's how good Martin Lawrence was in the 1990s. I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you. I would watch him and I was like, this guy is, like, he's hitting some crazy RPMs. You know, if you have, a, like, a sports car, like, yeah, 8,000 yeah, 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 RPMs yeah. is crazy. Some of them go to nine. Someone's like, <laughs> Yeah. Like you're like, how long can you go at that RPM? Like Martin Lawrence was on this wild RPM where he was he was crushing so hard, but then he had a bunch of issues, and then he did, had a show. He had a show, Martin, and then he had a bunch of issues. You know, he had like like a like a breakdown, right? Remember that? I do. But I think a lot so of a that stroke comes. Or something? No, 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 no. I mean, maybe I don't. I don't I know about that. Stroke in a, but I, in I know a he had. Or something. No, 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 no. I think he had like some sort of a manic attack. And he got arrested for wearing like a sweatsuit. No, no, it was like a wetsuit. He fell into a coma. Heat exhaustion. From heat exhaustion. For preparing but, for Big Mama's house. So he was losing weight. Is that what he was doing with the the wetsuit on? Died. He had to go on a ventilator. Jesus for real? Christ! But then they think that he had some an episode. Am I making well, that up? Well, his body temperature went up to 107 degrees, so something that could have. No, I mean like a mental it. episode. Oh, I, I mean that made him think that that was a good idea to do. Maybe I think. Was I don't want to judge him. Maybe yeah, I got to edit this. Shit, <laughs> Martin Lawrence. Too much was, editing. See, my thing with Martin Lawrence is, and uh, is that Martin Lawrence seemed like someone that was a, was a god gift to him, right? Like the the guy well, was, he was just meant to he entertain. He was super duper talented, but he also worked really hard, man. But that's it's the thing with Mar a guy like Martin Lawrence or Jay Z. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they work hard. It or Richard Pryor seems like, or Eddie Griffin seems like it just is what they do. You know. Well, it's that too. You know, there's a lot of the those just what they do guys that never get to that level. Like, what separates a guy like that? You know from a guy who's just a funny dude that we all know that we hang around with at the store there's always a guy who's just like really good and they go on stage and they're really good but they never figure out how to like get to a place like those guys like what's the difference well the difference for me i mean i, I know for a fact my difference is when i saw chris rock and he talked about how he trained for a special i was like oh yeah that's, that's oh he uh, would bring in comics and pay them to watch his set and yeah. give him notes like that's, he was, he was working in collaboration with other people. Where he was like, he had like a group of peers, and he would throw his ideas at them and say, you know, like, what do you yeah. think about? DePaulo, maybe. It's a brilliant DePaulo, Rich Voss, J Richard Jenny was a big one. There was a thing that happened. Oh, it says sounds, yeah. Lawrence ran into traffic in Los Angeles, screaming and acting like a madman. That's what I remember. Yeah. Okay, fire. according yeah. to yes, that's right. 
Big Mama's house actor uh, also had a loaded firearm in his possession. Lawrence was removed from the scene by law enforcement and hospitalized. Martin was yelling, uh, fight you know, don't give up, fight the power, or something like that. A witness told <laughs> a witness told KCAL. He was shouting some obscenities or something. Maybe he's just doing his act. Maybe he's working on a bit. Yeah. Anyway. I'm a, I'm a Martin Lawrence fan, up and down. Listen, dude, I'm telling you, I, I am too, but I just think it's hard to be that good. I think there's something about being that good as a guitarist or something to be about good as a tennis player or what a bike rider, whatever the fuck you are. I was I was just talking to a friend of mine about uh, uh, Tour de France and about uh, Lance Armstrong. Like, how crazy you have to be to be that good. Like, to, to be that good against yeah. other people who are just like you. Like, you have to be so goddamn driven that you're better than all these other insanely driven motherfuckers. Like, you're dealing with, like, insane RPMs, man. Fucking in insane. 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 But that's the case with anybody who's really good at anything. And I think with a guy like Martin Lawrence, I'm telling you, dude, he was so good in the 90s. Like, how, how long can you keep that up? How long can you yeah, be that I don't, good? I don't know if, uh, and I don't know if there was a, a track record for that. I don't well, think anyone looked at like Pryor was the, the longevity. only guy that had like a real longevity that was uh, a wild man. You know, like Pryor was a guy who lit himself on on fire. Jesus. Pryor was a guy who you know had heart attacks and did bits about it and did crazy amounts of cocaine and you know free based. I mean, Pryor so had, but he still was around for quite a long time. Man. So wait, here's my question then. So like, I know my heroes. My heroes are always the flawed dudes, like Pryor, Belushi, Farley, yeah. Yeah. John Daly, like the guys that are, are just uh, the golfer, by the way. But like the guys that are always flawed. I, knowing, I I know one of the things you do are is really important to you is being disciplined. Who are your heroes? Like, well, uh, it's, it's like a weird word, right? Because it's like who to. It's I, I prefer to say like who do I admire, you know, and I admire people all over. I think it's it's one of those things like if you want to try your best to be a balanced person, you gotta investigate all the different aspects of your interests and your personality. Okay. So like you gotta, I try to. I have like I have a lot of heroes. If you wanted to look at it as like people that I really admire, that I think are that elevate me when I listen to them or pay attention to them or elevate other people or provide a much needed service to the world or are an, an unusual voice. <clears throat> Goggins is one of those. Yeah. Cam Haynes is one of those. Rhonda Patrick is one of those. Graham Hancock is one of those. Randall Carlson is one of those. There's like a lot of people that I know that are these insanely unique voices. Sam Harris is one of those. Uh, Brett Weinstein is one of those. Eric Weinstein is one of those. There's a lot of them. I can keep going forever, but they're unique people that bring a perspective that I go, oh, wow. Like now I can see things in a light that I didn't see before. But I feel yeah. like as a person, it's important to encounter all sorts of different perspectives, like the pacifist perspective as well as the warrior's perspective. I want to talk to a person who doesn't even want to eat meat they don't want to eat plants they want to eat just fruit because they know that doesn't kill the plant like there's mm -hmm. people that literally live off fruit yeah. I, want to, I want to talk to them as much as i want to talk to the people that only eat meat yeah. but the people that only eat meat seem like more interesting well, it's it's, it's <laughs> an interesting yeah, fucking they have more energy they, they, they can get through like the day dying i don't know if you should only eat fruit but my point is like i want to talk to as many fucking humans as possible that 
give me an more insight, not just to them, but also to me. I think the more weird people you talk to or the more things that people admit to you, the more you start to think about your own self. And that, that's when I start thinking about like really judgmental people and really angry people and really yeah. bitter and shitty people. Like, what are you trying to do? Because are you trying to like improve yourself or are you trying to shit on all the people around you? You know, it's one th- thing if you're like- have, I don't think they have an angle. It's I mean, not necessary. I don't mean it's shitty to right. them, but I, th- I don't think they have an angle. It's got to be, ter- it's, it's, I know for a fact it's terrifying to create your own content. I mean, to, to create your own content is, it, there are a lot of times you're going to fail. I think it's easier to shit on people because it's, I, I know I've done it. I've done it. I've definitely done it on, on We've Two Bears, One Cave. It. We've all On this done podcast, it. on my podcast. It's fun. It's fun to shit on people. We've all done it. Yeah. Especially if they kind of deserve it a little bit. And it's also yeah. a self-correcting mechanism for culture. When people think what you're doing is whack, they let you know, and you're like, ah, and maybe you grow from it. And sometimes you, you get the self-correcting bullshit, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, man. I don't Sometimes listen on my podcast. <laughs> you can also hear how other people see you or think of you. Yeah. You go, oh, okay, okay. It's a fine line between yeah. between letting yourself shine and then humbling yourself for a place that maybe isn't the right place. I think instead of letting yourself doing your best, doing your best, but recognizing that your best is always going to be imperfect because you're a human, so you're going to yeah. stumble. So the most important thing is if you do stumble to let everybody know that you stumbled. Don't try to pretend you didn't stumble. That's when I can't trust you anymore. It doesn't work. It doesn't work in the media. It doesn't work in, in anything. When someone stumbles, they have to admit they stumbled. It's not a bold thing. It's the only thing. It's the yeah. only way. you. If they don't trust you, if you're not honest, if they don't, they don't trust what you're saying to be how you really feel, they're not going to listen. There's too many other people to listen to. Why would they listen to you? So just tell them the truth. Just tell them the truth about how you feel. If you fuck up, just say, that sucked. And then they go, oh, Bert Kreischer's a fucking normal human. He's just like me. He realizes that he has good days and bad days, and he makes mistakes, and he's in a self-correcting learning process. And there's no finish. There's no end. It's yeah. like as a human being, you get to a point where you're done. You're not done. And we think we're done. We get limited by that. And then you see like people that like, don't want to try anything new. Well, I'm 52. Why would I learn a new language? Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Get the fuck out. Go, go outside. Learn yeah. how to fly fish. You know, learn how to fucking find birds. Learn how, what mushrooms won't kill you when you eat them. Go learn some or shit. Or take mushrooms. Yeah, that too. But like fucking go. Do something. Don't just be defined by these like cultural perspectives on how long you're expected to live and where you're supposed to be at various stages of your life. Oh. Whether it's 40 or 50 or 60. Just be free. Do I, what I, the fuck you can do. I got into a conversation and someone was trying to explain. They were trying to tell me what my brand was. And I was like, oh, Jesus. I was like, I, I don't know if. And then I, I, I correct. I didn't correct. I don't know whatever the fuck I said. But I was like, brand is a is a lazy term for authenticity. If you want to say authenticity, I'll try to be as authentic as I am. Like, I know what I like. I know what I dig. I like I like flip-flops. I make my own flip-flops. That's what I like, right? I make my own flip-flops. I like flip-flops. You know? <clears throat> I was talking to Yeti. I might have been talking to Yeti. And they were like, I was like, I like your shit, man. I like your shit. They have coolers. They're amazing coolers. Great tumblers. Their growlers are fucking- Excellent. Amazing. Load them with ice before you go through the airport. It's a free Yeti ad. I like their coffee cups, too. The little coffee cups, the little lid thing on. Their coffee cups are gangster. Very good. And I go- Solid products. Are you saying Yeti's my brand? Well, yeah, I like their shit. They're my favorite shit. When I I went to buy a cooler uh, this week, and unfortunately, they were out of Yetis. Really? Yeah, to buy some fucking other fake-ass cooler. Oh, dude. They sold them out. 
we That's travel. The problem. With, we travel the Yeti because when you when it's Dave great. does barbecue, you can close it up in a Yeti with some black uh, some pla- uh, paper more than right. What are you saying? I don't know, Joe. I don't know, Joe. Aluminum foil? Nope, not aluminum foil. Paper. Butcher paper. Butcher paper, yeah. Yeah. And and you can put it up a Yeti. He knows his shit. Dave definitely knows his shit. He knows his shit if he's putting him in a Yeti. If he's putting it in a cooler, that's next level shit. Yeah. And so, but I, but, but. Brand is a lazy term for authenticity. When we say cooler, it's not cooled, ladies and gentlemen. It maintains yeah. the temperature of the brisket and allows it to like slowly come to like a resting point, right? Yeah, you got to break through that. That's some wild shit that they figured out. You should put it in a cooler after you're done cooking it for 10 minutes before you serve it up. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Like there's something about there's like a science to bringing it down to the perfect temperature right before they bring it to you. Uh, Dude. I wish I, I wish I knew the name of the place. Tom and I went Black Smoke or something. Terry Blacks. Terry Blacks. Fuck yeah, I love that. Tom place. and I went there yesterday. That's my spot. If Ooh. I go, I know there's a lot of spots in in Austin. I'm sure I'll visit them all eventually. But right now, if I want barbecue, I'm just not taking any chances. Dude, it was. I mean, if Dick tasted like Terry Blacks, I'd have bruised knees. <laughs> it was so good. It it's was the so perfect good. temperature, right? There's something that, like, there's an art to cooking something just right. And that's with every, if it's like, even if it's fucking a beet salad, right? Oh, there's yeah. A, there's an art to, like, if someone brings you a, a roasted beet salad and those beets are just perfectly warmed up, like, oh, you fucking nailed it. Oh, I ate until I was oh. going to get sick. I, br- I broke my belt. I was like, I was like, I can't. I'm fucking done. Nice. We, we, he got it. Your tongue chases the brisket around your mouth because yes. it starts crumbling, and your tongue's going like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Yes. Where are you guys going?" It's an art form, man. It really is a, an art form, and it's interesting how there's like a bunch of different styles. There's like a Kansas City style. There's a North Carolina style. Yeah. There's a Texas style. You know, there's a different te- even in Texas. There's like there's a Dallas, a Houston style. Really? Austin- yeah, man. Like. These people are artists, the, and well, they've the, been around forever. The Salt Lake was a place that we used to come around here. We'd always, if we were performing here, we'd perform here, and then we'd park out there in the in the night nice. in their parking lot, and then wake up and go have barbecue in the morning. <laughs> they let you park there. They let us park. Salt Lake's legit people. people. Yeah, we we I did you a tell thing. Them you're coming. I did a thing with them through Travel Channel. Oh. Met, met his daughter. His daughter's a very sweet young lady, and she would always kind of block off a spot for the tour bus. Oh, that's and then cool. Go in. Grab a growler from someone, throw it on the back of your wrist, glug, 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 murder food, pass out on the tour bus, and head out to Houston. Do they have the sausage, the jalapeno oh. sausage? They Dude, when you look shit? at that rig they have oh. with like the chain link fence, oh. and they raise it and lower it. <sighs> it's amazing the patience, that people had the patience to slow smoke things. Like, how did they figure that out? Like uh, when uh, during the I mean, what year did they figure out smoking? It had to be in an abundance of meat. It had to be yeah. a big buffalo yeah, yeah, kill yeah. where they're like, right. "All right, guys, we're gonna eat for the next five days. We're yeah. gonna take these our time on these." Yeah, we're gonna cook these over twenty two hours. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you yeah. doing? They have people at Terry Blacks that are working there through the night, like just Dude. flipping over briskets. They got like legal pads like this, like. And they, they're writing down which brisket going in at what time and when they put the wraps on them, when they put the butcher paper on them. My mouth's watering right Dude, now. Dude, it's a science, and but it's, it's a, also an art form because it's like these people get a wild rush out of seeing people. Like even the cutters, when they're slicing up that brisket and you see how juicy it is. And they and squeeze you, it yes. like it's a fucking cream yeah. pie. Like and it's they're a just like, tit. Like oh. it's a, 
menstruating, no, lactating tit. Menstruating tit. <laughs> Origin is believed that smoked meat can be traced back to primitive cavemen. No. Caves or huts did not have a chimney, so they'd be very smoky once the fire was discovered. It is believed that the early cavemen would hang meat to dry in their homes and then accidentally discovered that the smoke would give the meat a different flavor. Plus, it, al it also helped to preserve the meat better. That completely makes sense, doesn't it? Later on, the process of smoking would be combined with the pre-curing the meat with a salty brine or simply salt. Do you know they used to go to war for salt? Isn't that crazy? That, they, that was that, the thing they went to war for. Because people would drive from Portugal all the way down the African coast. To steal salt. To get salt to or, to like, war. or like drive. lavender. They drove. They had Hondas. <laughs> Did I say drive? Yeah. They Did had I? Honda Accords. Tough. <laughs> Pretty hammered. <laughs> And they had to deal with the back old school Muslims. I read a book about it. I read a book about it. You got me onto that fucking moonshine in the sun or in the war or the moon. Emperor. Uh, you got it. Emperor, <laughs> summer moon. Whatever. The fucking thing about Native Americans. It's about the Comanches yeah. right here in Texas. And then I got into that. And I'm, we're on tour this summer. And I was like, I need more shit like that. And someone's like, hey, check out this, this book about the Portuguese. And it was like a panic attack inducing book. Like... The Portuguese basically committed hate crimes down the African coast to get around the corner to get lavender or, or cardamom. And it's just, I mean, I wish I knew that. Oh, it's in my Dude, but it's in my thing. People were ruthless back when there was no accountability, when there was oh. no books, when there was, when there was no, <laughs> no one could write anything down. And if you did, you didn't have a printing press, you had to use a feather. <laughs> Today, look around. And one Bert guy with a feather, you're like, hey man, can you not write this down? Committed atrocities in my presence. The, the, the Portuguese find this king. I wish I knew the name of this book right now. Portuguese find this king. Conquerors? Is Take it a guess. Because it popped up first when I talked. I think it is the Conquerors. It's about Portugal. It's in my it's in my what? iBooks. I'll tell you right now. Is um, that it? Is that it? Uh, I'm checking your thing. I'm certain it is. Let me type it in my. How Portugal flood uh, forged the first global empire. Uh, just po scroll out. It's right there. It's on the actual. Uh, Amazon it's conquerors by. Uh, Roger Crowley. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, there you go. So, so that was awesome, huh? Dude, they. Uh, they well, that's pulled... Brazil, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, they now, all speak yeah. Portuguese. But they, the, those poor, it's, and Portugal is a fascinating place to me because it's it took all the good property on Spain. But apparently, what was good property at the time was that inside the 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 nook area, like to be inside Africa, that trading area was important. Right. But Portugal has all the outside, so it's all the fishing, all the and and, and they were right in that coast, and they would go down, they go to a king, they'd be like, "Bring out all your daughters. We're gonna we want to fuck them." And and then the king would be like, huh? And they'd be like, or we'll kill your entire village. So the king would show up his daughters. They'd then take his daughters. They'd then shit in his mouth, put pork on a stick, shove it down his throat, then send him home. Uh, by the way, I could be paraphrasing. Did you hear it right? I possibly <laughs> I hope, did. I hope you did. That hope, whoa. Fun. Yeah. That. By the way, that is, oh, I'm telling you when I say this, it woke me up in the middle of the night on tour that like they were ruthless to these, these Here, kings down the coast. The, here's the thing. This is what I really believe. I know the shit with a stick and the pork is 100% real and the daughter's shit and then send them back and then they just kill the motherfucker. Here's what I think. 
I think people are capable of that. Wow. Right now. Really? They just need to be driven by whatever external forces, whatever ideas, whatever ideology, or whatever necessity. If they have starving children at home, if they feel like they've been invaded by foreigners that have ill intention, if they feel like their, their life is on the line. People get darker and darker depending upon how much pressure they feel under to defend themselves. If you put people in a situation where people are just at each other's throats. People are capable of stuff that's completely out of character. And I'm not equating this with murder and killing, but I'm equating this to how many people have you seen that are calling for unvaccinated people to not even be treated in hospitals? Like, how insane is that? There's, there's a lot of people that have been doing that, and it's a similar thing where people just decide to just, it's time to be cruel. It's time to let these people die. Like, people have made jokes about it, about letting people die. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Because you would never do that about anything else. Well, but who the there's fuck would we, ever say, there's like... There's a lot of people that have done this. But I don't want to name any names. But there's a lot of people who've either made light of this or have sought out other people that have similar opinions and tried to get them all on their side and say together, we need to like deny these people medical treatment. We need to shame these people. We need to make these people feel bad. But they don't do that with anything else when it comes to health. They don't do that with people that are overweight. They don't do that with people yeah. who smoke. They don't do that with people who take drugs. It's the one thing that they feel like they should be actively shaming people for. And it gets very confusing because when people get mean like that and they say that people should be denied treatment in hospitals only because they're not vaccinated and you don't say that about anything else, I got to say, I don't know how you're thinking. If you don't say that about obesity, you don't say that about smoking. alcohol abuse, smoking, you, you the, only this decision, well, this decision to not get vaccinated is the one that, and you go, well, that's because they put everybody else in danger. Again, I go back to this. I think it came from a lab. Oh, I think it's, I, I thought we were, I thought everyone agreed on that, right? I don't, I'm not, I'm a moron. I don't know if it came from a lab. It might've come from nature, but I think that most of the scientists now believe it came from a lab. So if that's the case, Shouldn't we be more upset with that? Shouldn't we be paying more attention to that? Oh uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's astro like. I mean, I mean, not to if that's the protocol of like people's life decisions dictate whether or not you treat them. It's crazy. It gets super problematic. It's crazy, especially for a guy like me. Especially when there's a situation where people are trying to figure this out. You know, there's a lot of people that are scared of uh, doctors, period. They're scared of dentists. They're scared of all kinds of medical treatment. There's a lot of people like that. I don't think the best advice would ever be to shame those people in doing what you want them to do. No. And I, some I, people I feel for... like that's what you have to do. But I feel like this, we got to be very resistant, very hesitant. And we have to resist this idea of declaring other human beings as the other because it's a real uh, instinct that a lot of us have. So real instinct that we have when we're dealing with uh, people that root for other teams, like people in Philadelphia are notorious for beating the fuck out of like <laughs> teams that like fans come from somewhere else to Philadelphia yeah. and root for the wrong team <laughs> and people in Philly will beat the shit out of them. But like it's like that kind of thinking is a human way of thinking. And you could yeah. think it's like, I'm not like those thugs in Philadelphia, but you are, you're tribal. 
And when you're tribal and you want to show everyone how committed you are to your tribe, a lot of times you'll be the person that attacks the other tribe. It's a natural human instinct that is ingrained in our DNA from tribal living. When there was like 150 of us and we had to worry about marauding invaders. This yeah. is all like deeply embedded into like who it, who we are, like what it means <laughs> to be a person. And you can use that, you could like that path it could go with religion. It'd be the Protestants versus the Catholics. It could be the Democrats yeah. versus the Republicans. It's way more of a tribal thing than it is a real solid disagreement on what we should be doing and why we should be doing it. Yeah. There's a lot of like weird shit that goes on. And this is like one of the reasons why it's so important to think of the United States, like think of what we are as a tribe, like one giant tribe. Instead of thinking as a red and a blue, that shit is like super disempowering. What we should think of it is like we're one giant group who needs to sort shit out. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like by going with this fucking left versus right thing, that's nonsense. Most of us are both. Most of us have yeah. some right, like you think if someone breaks in your house and lights it on fire, maybe they should go to jail, right? Yeah. yeah. You think if someone rapes your daughter, maybe they should be punished, yeah. right? Yeah. But you also think, well, if someone's really poor, maybe they should get money from taxes to help them get back on their feet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you think the people who are really hungry and poor should have access to food because it's not that difficult for cities to provide that, yeah. right? Yeah. We agree. We agree on these things. You think people should be able to have their own choices, but you think you should also be able to own a gun, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, this is where we're going. You think that like people should ha be educated and it'd be wonderful if people had an open mind. But you also want to protect businesses. You want to yeah, you, you want yeah, to recognize yeah. that it's very difficult to keep a business afloat and people have to make hard choices and they have to fucking keep a, a fast pace for everybody's benefit. There's yeah. a lot of variables, and you also agree that some people that run businesses are crooks. And they're mean, oh, of course, and they're, yeah. they're not, you know, they don't treat their uh, employees right. And there's a lot of variables to being a person. And when we break it down to just left versus right, we get caught up in these fucking tribes with the dolphins versus the eagles. It's like some shit happens where we yeah. get stuck on teams and it's fucking dangerous and we don't recognize it. We think it's just a normal part of being a person where you're attacking all the people that are on CNN. Look at how dumb they are. Or you're attacking all the people on Fox News. They're talking shit about the vaccine, but they're all vaccinated. And it's way better off if we just agree to abandon everything that's connected to teams and just focus on what do we need to do? What do we need to do to get everything back on track? We don't need a, a, a fucking gang war between goofy ideologies. Yeah, what's 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 crazy to me is that uh, in LA, the people that don't get vaccinated are the liberals. It's the, what? Yeah, no, so, a lot yeah. of liberals are. I'm like, most of them are vaccinated. Oh no, what are oh, you talking no. about? Oh no, which liberals? The diehard, healthy liberals, yoga people. Yeah, yoga yeah, people. I wonder what the vaccine rate for yoga people is. We have a lot of friends that aren't vaccinated and won't get their kids vaccinated. And look, look, I'm just to be 100% clear so everyone knows, I'm vaccinated, my daughter's vaccinated, my wife's vaccinated. We have friends that aren't vaccinated and refuse to get vaccinated. And there are hardcore liberals. Like, like a lot of them are, uh, we have a lot of them in our lives. And they just won't get, and same thing in Boulder. We have friends, we went to look at Boulder, you know, schools or whatever. And 
a lot of people in Boulder won't get vaccinated. And Yeah, those hippies, those old school hippies. Yeah. I think you're talking about there's a different thing between like liberals and hippies. Well, it's, it's those macrobiotic yeah. motherfuckers. They're and, taking acidophilus. And you go, it's so funny to watch the two waves collide. Like you yeah. ever seen a wave come 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 into the shore and then one right. come out and you the watch. hippies are super progressive. <clears throat> yeah. All of them. About like whatever whatever the rights are. Civil rights, gay pronouns, rights, pronouns, women's all rights, that shit. Super progressive, but they're like, I don't want to put that in my body. And yeah. Like, Whoa, but you have to. And it's and it's it's amazing to me. To watch that happen, and you go, and look, I, I look to each his own across the board. For me, I just go, hey, you know, do what you're gonna do. But it's, I just find it somewhat ironic to know a mom who's like hates Trump and hates the right, and then she's not getting vaccinated also. And then I go, well, that's you know that you know that's what that's that that's what they said, and she, and she just goes melts down. It's different, and you're like, okay. Yeah, it's like it's weird because the vaccines definitely help people too. It's one of those complicated issues, man. That's one of the things about being a person is that oftentimes stuff is not black and white. And we want to pretend yeah. it's black and white because if it is, it, it suits our purposes. It it defends our opinions. It's not black or white. You know, there was a study that recently came out that showed that for teenage boys, uh, it could be more dangerous to get the vaccine than it is to get COVID. Really? Yeah, Google that, Jamie. I'll send you a link because I know I saved that because it's such a crazy story. But it's um, it's one of those ones where you're like, oh Jesus. What's funny when I had you the see it, Jamie? If you don't, I can definitely find it. Here it is. Uh, this one's from the Guardian. I, I think I read from a different paper, but it says, "Go, go back up, please." Boys more at risk from Pfizer jab side effect than COVID suggest studies. Suggest study, excuse me. U.S. researchers say teenagers are more likely to get vaccine-related myocarditis than end up in the hospital with COVID. Now, this is in The Guardian. This is a major newspaper. So for them to say this, this is not like some fringe Geo Cities page where some the crazy glaze. person. It's, it's, not, it's not clickbait. This is, uh, it says most children who experienced rare side effect had symptoms within days of the second shot of the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, though a similar side effect is seen in the Moderna jab. About 86% of the boys affected required some hospital care, the author said. So the thing is like young people, for whatever reason, in this disease, it's, it seems to be a fact that young people statistically speaking, are better at recovering from it. That seems to be true. Yeah. And I think if we deny that, it's going to make people super suspicious because they're going to say, like, okay, are we operating on information or are we operating on an ideology? So if we're operating on information, we would say that these young people seem to be way better at surviving this infection. We just have to make sure they don't spread it to other people. Yeah. So we should be better at like figuring out how to test these young people regularly and then figure out what's the best treatment for the people that are in danger that are around them, whether they're vaccinated or whether they're unvaccinated. But the idea of like jabbing all these young kids with these spectacular immune systems, it's like, I don't know. If you read that, you go, I don't know what we're doing here. What are we, why are we doing this? Is this, is it because we want to protect other people, you know? 
I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Is that the best way to do it? It's amazing that kids. Have, it's amazing to think that kids have done what they have done for their parents. You know, like that they all are wearing masks. They all quarantined. They all like that. I would have. I you couldn't have kept me in my house. Right. I wouldn't. But have done we it. we grew up without the internet. Yeah. Those are wilder people. Those are monkey people. <laughs> You know, we're, we're like one natural disaster away from cannibalism. Dude. You know, those people back then when where we grew up with no internet. When was the first time you got on the internet? How old were you? I was uh, in college. It was Prodigy. And I got sports lines. That was like, we get sport lines. That was it. Do you remember that moment where you're like, I do. what the fuck is this? My dad bought me a computer and I brought a computer back to my house and I plugged it in and we hooked it to the internet and... And we, you know, everyone gambled in college, and the, the sport lines came up, and that's I remember thinking. So th- I got this one thing for the sport lines, and then they were like, and then my teacher said, "So your project project tonight is to go home, take your article, cut and paste it, and then email it to me." And I remember being so fucking lost. I was like, "Cut and paste how? Like, how do I get it off of what I wrote it on? How do I cut that out and then mail it to you?" Like, I'm being so fucking lost. And I was like, this email shit's not going to last. I was like, there's no way. There's no way that people are going to use this for real. Somebody said that about the early home computers. I forget what what person it was, but they were mocking the idea that everyone would want a computer in their home. I, I remember someone telling me that there would be, you would get watch movies on your computer. And I was like, so you're telling me, oh, Brian Gumball? Oh, we got to hear so this. That little tease. Oh, that's that right. little mark. 94. The and then the ring around it. At. See, that's what I said. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie said she thought it was about. Yeah. Oh. But I'd never heard or it. Around. I'd never heard it said. Back. I'd always seen around. the mark, but never yeah. heard it said. And then yeah. it sounded stupid when I said it. Violence at NBC. <coughs> yeah, I heard it around being fired up in the lunchroom the other week. <laughs> there it is. Violence at NBC, GE com. I mean,. Well, what Allison wow. should know. Wow. What is Say internet anyway? What is internet, internet anyway? Internet is uh, that massive computer right. network. Mm-hmm. The one that's becoming what really big now. What is internet anyway? What do you mean? That's big. How does one, what do you write to it? Like mail? No, a lot of people use this it to communicate. Great. I guess they can communicate with NBC writers and producers. Allison, can you explain what internet is? No, she can't say anything in 10 seconds or less. Oh. <laughs> uh, misogyny? Allison will be in the studio shortly. What, is <laughs> what does it mean? It's a, it's a giant computer network made up, made up of, uh, started from... Oh, I thought uh, you were going to tell us what this was. It's you like a, look a computer the dictionary. billboard. It's not, it's, it's not in there. Wow. It's, it, it's, it's a computer billboard, but it's nationwide, right. and it's, it's several uh, universities and everything all joined together. And right. And others can access it. And right. It's, and it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. Really that guy is on QAnon's website right now. The guy who was just talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Katie. That you guy's running a coon. That's wild to see, man. It How is crazy. Is I, by the way, I was that guy. I was. I, I, I sat down with Dane Cook at his house one time. This is like 1998. Uh, I'm 99. And he was like, we talking, and he just go to his computer and go like this. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? He was like, hey, man, can I give you a little hint? I got this thing called MySpace that I go on, and I, I chat with friends, and it helps sell tickets. And I was like, good luck. I was like, that'll never fucking happen. Next week, I'm at a party in Venice, and these dudes were do, all doing coke, and they're on their computers. I go, what the fuck are you guys doing? They're like, we're programming a thing called MySpace. And I was like, huh? And they're like, do you know who Dane Cook is? And I was like, 
wait, I just talked to him about this thing. And they're like, man, you should get on. It'll really change your career. And I was like, good luck, bitches. <laughs> Fucking biggest. Ah! Isn't that funny? That's, I'm, when all someone the... just gets like so ahead of the curve, they figure it out before anybody. Dude, I, there's so many of that. I remember we used to do a tour on MySpace with uh, Steve Hofstetter, and he had this like program, and he was like, here's the deal. The money sucks, but you get 25,000 MySpace followers. And we did the tour. Wow. That's yeah, good. it was a that's Fever a record. Fever Records. And he Wait, would, how do you get those followers? Are they fake followers? He had a program. Oh. Uh, and, and yeah, he would have a program, and he'd type it in. Fever Records. Type in Fever Records. But how records. does that work? How do you get people to follow you? Just spamming them. Spamming oh. them. Requests, requests, requests. Oh. And so we did, uh, we did all through Georgia, and he got us like, and then he would say, open up a MySpace Athens. My space, uh, Burt Kreischer, Athens, Burt Kreischer, Augusta, Burt Kreischer, Charlottesville. Ver, Ver, and so you'd open these different ones. And I had more followers on these one MySpaces than I had on my regular one. Wow. And and, and that was the gig. You did the jo- your show and then you got all these followers. This is We're talking about like when the Vikings invaded. We knew when the boats pulled upon the shore. Yeah. The large man with the beard hopped off onto the gravel and screamed out a war cry. Oh. <laughs> like this, we're talking about history. We're talking yeah. about like ancient history. Ancient history. I remember back in the day where I would turn my computer <laughs> on and hear, you've got mail. Remember you've got mail? I do. Remember Dude, that? I remember. What is that? It's MySpace. It's oh, Dane's Dane MySpace Cook. Page. He's still, still there. He's, look, he's hanging in there. But when I was uh, at a dentist's office, um, I was on uh, sitting on the couch waiting to get in, and I was reading in one of the People magazines. There was an article about Dan Cook, and it said Dan Cook had, I think at the time, it was a quarter million MySpace followers. I remember going, what? Like, that's insane. Yeah. And they were talking about how he was blowing up because of his MySpace. And I remember reading that going, wow, how the fuck did he figure that out? But he was the pioneer. He was he was the pioneer in, in in internet marketing and internet like rebranding and like selling you know whoever the fuck you are, like getting your comedy out there, oh. getting your you know Napster. Yeah. you'd go on Napster. You'd 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 find three people. You'd find Mitch Hedberg, uh, Dane Cook, and fuck it. What was the band? What was the band that everyone? The Napster band, like that, blew up from now. Metallica. Metallica. They got was, mad. Oh, they got fucking lit. So there was a lot of Nap- Napster Metallica because yeah. they got mad, right? But wasn't D- there? Dane Cook was all over Napster. You go on Napster and it would be like Dane Cook, Dane Cook, Dane. And, yeah, and by he the way, uploaded it, right? Yeah, he uploaded it. I, mean, I don't know if he did that or not. I think but, he did. But those those like little moments in time where you go, hey, you get an opportunity, man. You you, yeah. you get a shot. Kevin Hart and I and I and I have previously. Jokingly talk shit about Kevin Hart. How the, dare you? I know, I know. I Why'd know. you do that? I, I don't know. I don't Were you know. jealous? Uh, no. Were you on no, pills? No, I was drunk. Oh. But I was. But what did I, you say? Was it valid? Uh, no, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but like it was, it was, it was that I, I loved, I loved hearing his hard work ethic. But I always felt like hard work for the average guy. There's a lot of guys that bust their ass and they don't move forward. You got to acknowledge your luck sometimes. And I would, and I just said in these Instagram posts, I want to hear about your luck. I want to hear about the luck that you had, right? Mm. Not realizing in doing what he does, just how hard he works. I don't think I ever realized that. Like, 
and I've had a small taste of what he does, like where you do a movie and you do a tour and you do all that, and you have a TV show and you have a book or whatever. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize how hard he actually worked. Like I just was like, everyone gets, just give everyone the luck and they'll all get there. And I didn't, I don't think I realized just how hard he busts his ass. I think the problem is concentrating on any one thing, whether it's concentrating on a person's luck or concentrating on a person's discipline. Yeah. It's like we've decided we're looking for a binary. We're looking for a one or a zero. Or we're looking for a were you lucky? Yeah. Was your dad rich? Or were you born in the projects and you're hustling and now you're a self-made person? Which one is it? That, well, Kevin, like, Kevin Hart it, has had a... He got an, a couple opportunities and he and he capitalized on them, and you and I think I misunderstood that for like the opportunity is the luck part. Yeah. Give that to anyone and they all capitalize on it, and that's not true. But that's not there's many more facets to that diamond. I think yeah. there's also he worked really hard, and that's how the opportunity presented itself in the first place. It's not just like this opportunity was just there for anybody, and he happened to stumble upon it, but then worked hard. No, he worked hard to yeah. get to the point where he got the opportunity too. There's a lot of factors, man. Well, it's I like, think I think another shot for the B man. But I think uh, <laughs> I think what I what B-man. I was having a hard time doing he was was the B man. I was having a hard time. Um, I was having a hard time validating my own success. Um, and so what I was syndrome. Yeah, salute, salute, salute brother. brother. It's great doing this with you. Always. But I was having a hard time validating my own success, and I was like, and I was like, well, he—I know I'm lucky. I need him to acknowledge he's lucky because uh. I—I wasn't willing to admit. I never wanted anyone to think I worked hard because I was like, that takes the the recipe out of the cake. You know, I get how you would say that, and I get why you would think that, but it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time wanting someone to admit they're lucky. Like if if you can see that there's some fortune in how they got to who they are, just let them say it. If they don't want to say it, who gives a shit? Yeah. Do you get it? And most people will get it too. And as long as you're honest about what you feel are your most fortunate moments, dude. You don't I'm, you don't have to judge other people on their fortune. I'm the luckiest guy there is in this business. And I and I and I, I do work hard. Dude, but you I, but work I, hard. But I work you hard. You work so hard. And I don't think I realized I'm I don't always think I, stunned. You always have some new T V show you're doing. It's always some new wacky shit. I'm like, what is uh, Bert doing over there? You're always doing something. But I think I wanted a way to justify where I was, where I was to like, I just wanted to diminish it, I think, I a understand. little bit. But I, uh, my advice to anybody like you or me, because I'm the same way, is just like, enjoy what you're doing. Just to get to the place where you just enjoy what you're doing and try to do your best. Yeah. There's enough challenge in just trying to do your best. Like we add external challenge almost to distract ourselves from the the real significant challenge that we face. So we add a bunch of shit on the outside of it. Almost like so it makes like whatever the most important thing we're really focusing on less important because we've got other stuff that's distracting us. It gives you a built-in reason for fucking it up. It's like a artist sabotage method. It's it happens with oh, a lot of people. Yeah. There's a lot lot going on with being a creative person. There's all sorts of like insecurities and thoughts and you know things that trip you up and sometimes they help you and like you never know what you're gonna get with your mind your mind is like filled with all sorts of interactions and depends upon how well you sleep and how healthy you are and what your perspective is that day and and all those things can greatly interact with the rest of the world and figure out and 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 rather decide how your life goes you take one bad move on one bad day and shit goes terrible I think about that nonstop. Yeah, it's I think part about of that. being a person, man. The problem is when you don't think about it. 
That's the problem. The problem is when you think that can't happen to you or when you're above it or when you're, you know, you've got it figured out. <laughs> That's when you're really fucked because no one's got this thing figured out. And the, the quicker we are <laughs> to admit that and acknowledge that, the better we're all going to get along. That's the scary part is no one got I, I want it figured out. There's no way, man. control thing. It's not possible. I want this is like an ant trying to read calculus. You might see it. I don't know what an ant sees. There's not enough time in the world to figure out what the fuck this is all about. Yeah. There's not enough information. We're missing giant chunks of data. We're in a stage, right? If there's like ape and then enlightenment, we're like in this weird like <laughs> upward progress. We're not there yet. Dude, I uh so that Paul Damon's guy? Stamets? Stamets guy? Yeah, the the guy who's a uh, mushroom right. Yeah, so I I fucking I I had a really hard time with my surgery. I thought I was going to die. And I, I hardcore panic attacks, get the surgery. I come out on the other side, and I see his documentary about the magical mushroom, whatever it is. Um, I, what is the doc? It's the Netflix one. Yeah, it's really fungi. Great. Is it magical fungi? Fantastic it? fungi. That, that's it. That's it. Fantastic fungi. And so I'm like, I'm like, this is. He's, I don't, a, he's an awesome human. He's a fascinating person. He's a legit mycologist, right? Like he really understands. He was the first guy to explain to me that mushrooms actually breathe air like we do. Yeah. Uh, we met that guy. So you did a podcast with him, and then me, Ari, and Tom did the next podcast with that guy. Uh, and we met him, and you were like, you guys, you were like, you don't know who this guy is. He's like the foremost, like, this is before the Netflix documentary. You mean at the store? No, and then you're, you did a podcast with him. Oh, at, that's right. That's right. You guys were at the same place. Yeah, we met right, him. Right, right, right. Cool right. dude. So I watched the documentary and I and I start going like, oh man, this I, maybe I gotta try mushrooms. Maybe I gotta get on mushrooms. And get back, I've I've done them before, but I did them just to party. Maybe I gotta try to open up my mind and get rid of some anxiety, yeah. some of the fucking shit that keeps me up at night. And I'm thinking about this, and then my daughter Isla goes, we're at the fire pit in our backyard. She goes, have you seen this fantastic fungi documentary? <laughs> She's like Whoa. 15. And I go, I have. She goes. I mean, that stuff makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm Jesus like, Christ. But you got to explain to her? I got to explain to her about mushrooms. Because part of me is now saying maybe microdosing is the cure. Well, it's that, that the cure is a problem, right? Because it, it, it sets up this like false premise where there's one thing that you need to do that's going to fix the world. But the, the thing that... M absolutely that mushrooms will do is it will help some people be more compassionate if we like let's pretend okay let's pretend we have a medication let's pretend we have a new pandemic forget about COVID. this is completely different we have a new pandemic that's coming along and then there's a medication that you can give to the people that will help 40 percent of them get through this better off than they were before it happened okay and you give them a chance. A green light. You, you, have a you have a decision to make. You want to take it. You don't have to. But I take wanna, it. I take it. I take it in a heartbeat. If you want to, if a lot of people have had good success, do your best. That's what mushrooms are. What mushrooms are, it's a, it's this. I don't know if it's forty percent. Maybe it's only thirty percent. There's a lot of people that get through real breakthrough experiences and have a completely different perspective on what it means to be a person, what it means to be alive, what it means to love people. What it means to be open-minded and and kind and sincere, and what what it means to experience your faults, and your the, the the times you surprise yourself, 
with the good things about human character and then the pr- times you're disappointed with yourself. Like all those things, they're all happening together, all like in one, just like this like calculation where you're trying to figure out. And mushrooms allow people sometimes to see themselves for what they really are without any of that shit that fucks with your head, whether it's anxiety or insecurity or arrogance or overconfidence ego. or ego or whatever the fuck it is. And it's not for everybody because if you already have a hard time with like mental health, I'm not the guy that should you should be listening to in terms of like what you can or can't take. Listen to a doctor, listen to a neuroscientist. There's some people that have a slippery grip on regular reality. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if anything's good for them that just takes them and blows them out. But for some folks it will be. And the only way we're going to find out is when we make it legal. You know, there's a lot of people that have experienced like amazing things on things that are absolutely illegal. So why are they illegal if they've literally changed people's lives for a, a, in a massive beneficial way? Why are they illegal? Because we haven't fucking had this conversation. That's why. It's not because there's a bunch of evidence that says they should be illegal. It's because we haven't had this conversation. Because we try to pretend that other adults know better than we do. But we know they don't even have the data. They don't have the information. They don't have the perspective. They're not being honest. They're not being objective. If they were, it would have already been legal decades ago. There's some sort of weird fucking resistance to people admitting that they were wrong. And that's part of the problem. That's part of the reason why psychedelic drugs are illegal. It's not because they're bad for you necessarily, because we're here drunk on fucking whiskey, which is like one of the worst things. We're smoking cigars, which is not good for you. There's nothing good for you about that, right? That's all fine and good. But if you take mushrooms, all of a sudden there's a problem. But we're resistant to change. We're resistant. Aren't there some people that, aren't there some cities, country, uh, states that have legalized? Portland, it decriminalized everything. Portland, uh, Oregon, rather, has decriminalized everything. I think they've decriminalized even steroids. Heroin. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find that out. I think they decriminalized all the hard stuff, like mushrooms, and I think they decriminalized cocaine. Really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. There's some, they did I some, love a low-grade cocaine. They did a wild thing up there in Portland. A clean, low-grade cocaine. Did they de- decriminalize cocaine? Yes? Oh, well, hold on. Hold on. I was shaking Hold, my head at the... Drug decriminalization... Whoa. I'm Burt Kreischer. Drug <laughs> decriminalization in Oregon officially begins today. So what does it say? Small amounts of all drugs... Okay, wow. That's what it's... It's real. Okay, Oregon became the first state in the United States to decriminalize possession of small amounts of all drugs and greatly increase wow. access to treatment, recovery harm reduction, and other services. This is a direct result of a successful ballot initiative spearheaded by the Drug Policy Alliance. Why can't I say that word? Drug Policy Action, rather, an advocacy arm of the Drug Policy Alliance in partnership with the longstanding Oregon allies that was approved by voters and blah, 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 blah. Um, Decriminalization of the punishment of millions and has disproportionately harmed communities of color. So that's a, that's a great thing. That's a very smart thing. Because if you're decriminalizing users, I mean, that's giving people the ability to make their own decisions. Now, next step, educate people on the actual real risks of all these disease or all these drugs. drugs that's what I want to know. Like especially unnatural ones. The city of Ann Arbor, story. Michigan has decriminalized psychedelic plants and fungi. Jesus! So wait, how what much are you is, doing, Michigan? How much is a microdose? It's a good question. Depends on how fat you are. 
for real? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh shit! It's, it's like subperceptible. So yeah, like whatever size that means, percent is, means it's yeah. a microdose. It's like most drugs. It's not like an actual like ivermectin. Number. You're supposed mm-hmm. to take a certain percentage based on the kilograms of your body. Really? Yeah, it's most drugs. Most drugs are like that. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Dr- drinking. That's why I said like people can't keep up with you. Yeah. You know, like a, a hundred and forty pound man, like Mark Norman. What did you say? He's a buck thirty-five. Buck thirty-five, soaking buck wet, covered in cum. Buck twenty-eight, with his boots on. <laughs> this is fucking. I watch that guy. He can't drink with you. I can't even drink with you. He's. A, I'm he's... only forty pounds lighter than you. I can't drink with you. <laughs> yeah, but you're all muscle. But I can't drink with you. Hey, yeah, can I get? A, I give up. No. Yeah, I Tom's got to keep up with me tonight. Oh no! I'm you're going back to going? his house. Oh, yeah. My God, you're gonna keep going. I'll open a bottle of Fit Vine. <laughs> What is Fit Vine? Oh, look, like look at this. Oh, this is, look at him, this is Mark. This is baby Mark. Ba- Mark Norman. Look at him there. Look at this. There's no volume. I don't get it. He's got two kids. The guy is overweight. He's 78 years old. <laughs> he can just go and go. He, his body is different than mine. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I, I need time to recoup. Yeah. Do it again. That's Do another song. Round and round we go back, Jack, do it again. That's a, one of the things I fell in love with John Mulaney about. John oh, Mul- in the music? John Mulaney. Music? <laughs> What's wrong with this podcast? <laughs> this podcast is cursed. I go to the mountains, to the woods for a week, and it all falls apart. John Mulaney uh, used to do coke and listen to Steely Dan by himself in college. And I go, wow. that's a fucking romantic. That's mm. Steely Dan is one of the best bands, and I fell in love. I, I this is like old but, school, but on coke, like probably different sound, right? It's like Grateful Dead. You only really understand them when you're on acid. Oh, dude, this and by the way, I like obviously John Mulaney said that's not what I said. That's okay, but like, dude, I fell in love. With, I heard him say that, and I went, I went, that's a guy that you gets it. Back, he gets it. Jack, do it again. Uh, uh, dirty work. Dirty work. Have you ever heard Dirty Work? Do you wanna, this is so. When we did Red Rocks, I played this. All I played was Steely Dan. Yeah, Dirt, really? Oh, all I played was Steely Dan. You played this backstage? All, all we played. All weekend. Look at that. This, the very this best is, of Steely Dan. Ricky, is that a real car? Number? What is that car? I don't think that's a real car. This reminds me of being a kid in the back of my mom's car going to the pool. And our pools are at a Ramada Inn. This is what men did when you couldn't be emo. It wasn't legal. It wasn't legal yet. You had had to come in. You you had to come in high-pitched and sensitive. Talking about college. (laughs) Right here, buddy. Listen to the voice. This ain't Jim Brown singing. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh yeah. <laughs> Primo. I don't you gotta understand too that this music, like what no year was this, Jamie? More. 1980, I'm right there. 72 to 80. To okay. 72. Oh, yeah. Let's imagine what life was like in 1972. We Jim Morrison was dead. We already we just got out of caves. Like a hundred years ago. Yeah. Or whatever it was. <laughs> Keep going, John. Keep going. Keep it was probably 100,000 years ago. I might be off by Keep a factor going. of 1,000. My point being, ladies and gentlemen, 
no one knew what the fuck was going on. Ugh. They were just trying to say things that made people get excited about being around them. Yeah. Whether it was uh, a comedian like Lenny Bruce or a, a singer like Jimi Hendrix. Everybody was doing the same thing. Oh, dude. This Steely Dan was like my anthem throughout Colorado. That's this, your shit? This, dude, we, I played this. I was in such a good mood I could play this and just, just cheer up. FM? You ever, ever hear FM? Are you a Steely Dan fan? He's 36. So I played, he barely knows so I played who the this fuck for, Steely I played Dan this for Mark is. Norman. If it wasn't like, for old people like us, he would never have any idea. He wouldn't even FM, know they play existed. FM. Mark Norman, I played this for Mark. Play He's FM, like, the song? FM okay. on Steely Dan. And Mark Norman was like, I've never heard this. I've never heard this. Because he's 30. And it's so crazy. I go, it's like, and he goes, you need oh, Mark listen, Norman though. called it elevator music. Let me hear this. This is ninth grade. Oh yeah. It's grapefruit wine. Take off your high heel sneakers. It's party time. The girls don't seem to care. That's all. As long as they play till dawn. This is the best part. Ready? <laughs> Nothing but blues and Elvis and somebody else's favorite song. Give us some fun. The, the part that would flip me out all week, and I couldn't get my daughters to connect with it. Keep going, keep uh, going. It's just going lower. And, oh, come back. Is right after this. This is the part, Joe. I was like, I was it's on a different a world. High. It's a different. It's a, it sounds from a different world. That's the thing about these old recordings. They're like time machines. Yeah. You know. You know what I listen to when I really want to get that thought into my head? I listen to the old Robert Johnson recordings. You know why? Because Robert Johnson was the guy who, at the time, was so good that you know he's a blues guitarist. And he was so good that they came up with this theory that he had sold his soul to the devil. Oh yeah. And he was the original recipient of fake news. He was the guy who like the fucking like if there was an inquirer back then, yeah. They would have said Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil to be so good cuz he was so much better than everybody else. Yeah. And it's weird when you listen to it. It's it's like a, a strange haunting sort of a you get a like a like a real accurate glimpse into at least one aspect of life during the time when that guy was alive. And there's not a lot of recordings. Like play some Robert Johnson. Give me some Robert Johnson. It's so interesting. That's an accurate assessment. Is that you play something from that time zone, and I, I, mean, I wonder if it's just America. It's everywhere. I, it's all over the world. It's where where at the first when you record things, you get to get. An understanding of how good people are 
100 years ago, 200 years ago, yesterday, you get this idea of progress. But if you just hear it and, sit, and there's nothing written down anywhere, you don't get that same advancement. And part of the difference in the advancement of this guy versus uh, whatever you might see here today is the layers of music and the yeah. different sounds that producers add. And, the, you know, it's like there's more complexity to music because they have more ability to do it. But yeah. all of it came from this kind of shit. And at the time, there was nothing before this. So the people that never heard music before and then the people who heard amplified music yeah. were alive during the same time period like you and I when we were around with no internet and yeah. all of a sudden we had the internet these fucking people were alive where people were singing just yelling loud in a room they had to have a like a closed room and they had oh, to, they wow. had no amplification it didn't exist there was no electricity and then a hundred years later People are playing this and they have electric guitars and there's recordings of the music and you listen to it today and you go Yeah, I guess that's good, but why would you think that that guy sold his soul to the devil because nobody had made these sounds before They oh, were the wow. first. Oh, so that they're looking he's, at this. Going. He's doing this and he's doing What the guitar rock and roll equivalent is is Jimi Hendrix playing the national anthem on his teeth is Jimi Hendrix had this sound where Eric Clapton felt like quitting guitar. He watched Jimi Hendrix like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Dude, I played Castles Made of Sand to my daughters oh my God. in the car in Colorado, and both of them said, who is this? Mm. And I went, this is, this is, this is what you guys are looking for when you, when you listen to music, and I'm not, no slight on anyone they listen to now, but like I go, Jimmy castles and some castles made of sand like that's fucking next level. It's amazing shit, man All on the watchtower, but all of it comes from what comes before like you and I would not be here if it wasn't for Lenny Bruce or right. George Carlin yeah. No musician would be where they were if it wasn't for Robert Johnson and Robert Johnson learned off the other people that no one ever got to hear recorded There was a bunch of people before him I'm sure that never even got recorded who would play for these 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 bars oh. and these you know these uh, roadhouse sort of shows where they would just get on stage and people would be drinking and that was the whole thing during like the speakeasy days right where they had these clubs where people were allowed to drink alcohol during prohibition yeah. and they would get together and get drunk and people would go up and sing and they would have like these shows oh, where they were dude. like celebrating the fact they were all doing something naughty I think and I can identify with what this is because I remember the first time seeing someone do something different on stage with stand up and you're like oh shit what year was Robert Johnson? That, that was recorded in 1936 and 7. So that's right around the time where alcohol was made legal again. I think that was right around the time where they started going after marijuana. Really? Yeah. They, I think they started going after marijuana yeah. in like 35 or Prohibition something. Prohibition ended uh, 33. 33 <laughs> ended. And when did the marijuana thing happen? Where they started going after marijuana. It was just a couple of years later. It was like they had, had a be. bunch of cops hanging around going, hey, come on. Yeah, 1937. Was, uh, 1937, yeah. Was, uh, what's the guy's name that owned the Four LA newspaper? Later. And he was LA William Randolph Hearst. Hearst. And he was. Yeah. He hated uh, Mexicans. Well, he didn't. He, he hated losing money. Uh, this is what he hated. So he had, and this is a controversial sort of conspiratorial theory, but there's, it's a theory, but there's a lot of like evidence that points in this direction. Is that at one point in time, 
Popular Science put a cover on one of their magazine that said, Hemp, the new billion-dollar crop. Oh. And it's because they had created a new machine called a decorticator. And what a decorticator was, was in the old days, they used to, there it is right there, the new billion-dollar crop. See if you can like get the whole uh, cover of it. The cover of the popular science is really interesting because it was on the cover. Is that closed too? Um, yeah. Well, here's the thing. The, the, the fibers of the hemp plant are very, very, very unique. And it's something that we uh, are right now just starting to adjust to. Like you can sell hemp. You know, m my company on it. One of the things that we would sell is hemp protein. Uh, I, I took and hemp protein. It was really hard because we had to get it. It had to be grown in Canada, and then it had to be shipped to the United States in the early days really? before they allowed it to be grown in America. It was so preposterous because there was no THC in it at all, but we couldn't even get it in America. Really? So we had to get it grown in Canada, and they would bring it over across the border. And they had to, we had to make sure that it didn't have any THC. The whole idea is, is that hemp seeds have an amazing like nutritional profile. They're really high in amino acids. It's really easy to digest. It's a really good solid protein. It's really good for you. And it's one of the best plant-based proteins. But people are so averse to this idea of marijuana being good for you in any way that they attach it to hemp, which is something that's like it's like it's in the marijuana family, but it's has no THC in it at all if it's processed correctly. And they still would uh, fuck with people who were trying to use THC to treat arthritis and all kinds of other ailments. And it's just, it gets attached to that same thing. Like it's a, it's, it gets demonized. And this is all back to the 1930s. All of it. Really? It's not, no, 100%. It's not based on reality. It's not based on marijuana's killing people. That's nonsense. There's one real link to schizophrenic episodes. And there's a real consideration there oh, by the way i feel like i was there one time in ninth grade i bet you were i, I, I feel like i lost my shit i bet you became really close i've been close a bunch of times <laughs> <laughs> i think the thing is though that there's a certain percentage of the population that is schizophrenic i don't i think it's like one percent yeah and i think that's pretty standard i think that number is pretty standard I don't think it gets higher or lower depending upon marijuana consumption. And I, I want to be clear that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> but let's find out if that's true. Because I think that the numbers... So, like, say if someone smokes weed and they blow their... They, they get crazy. Yeah. They blow their mind and they start acting nutty and they become schizo. Yeah. Like, how sure are we they, they weren't on their way That was going to happen happened? anyway. I, think I, would, I, would, I would argue that... I mean, I would argue that everyone that I know that's schizophrenic, and I know a few dudes brothers that are schizophrenic. Yeah, that it, it started with drugs, but uh, I think that it was it was going to happen anyway. I mean, but we don't know that. Here's I'll take the other approach. Maybe they would have been fine. Maybe it would have been a difficult life, but they would have gotten through it if they didn't have some crazy marijuana experience. Maybe that yeah. marijuana experience ruined a life. That's possible too. That's possible. Right? Yeah. There's got to be a certain number where there's a bunch of people out there that can't handle weed. Just like there's some people that have one drink and they get gopher eyes oh, and they just yeah. start fucking taking their pants yeah. off and running through fires. My right? wife. Yeah. Keep yeah. going. It happens. Yeah. Listen. 
Schizophrenia linked to marijuana use disorder is on the rise, study finds. Right, but that's just like a headline on CNN. But I also think it it's, also it's, said it's, they also said I ate horse medicine. I know, okay, I, trying, I mean, but you know, this is the same place. It said I ate horse medicine. So there's okay. Well, but is it saying that there's an a, a linked? Okay, it, it, just how about go, Google this? Google what percentage of people are schizophrenic. Oh, it's got to be super low. What do you think is higher, COVID or, or schizophrenia? For death? No, just in life. Like how many someone, people get it? How many people do you think? Oh, not no, Way no, more no. People yeah, get you're COVID. right. You're right. Death. You're right. In death. The United States. Should we keep world? going? Because I have to pee. I got to piss too. I, I, I can barely hang on there. You have to take a shit. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Should we we'll end? be right back? <laughs> Should we take a piss and shit? You want to keep going? Yeah. I'll keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It. Let's keep going. Let's make this an eight-hour podcast. Okay. I've never once held a it's shit. It's important my life. to not. I think it's bad for you. I think it is. I think I've that's... heard people get. Uh, what do we drink a beer now? I drink a beer. Hold on. Let me hear that about it. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, my, my fingernail <sighs> almost came off. What happened when I was playing golf the other day? I was starting to sweat. Bro, who was that guy that shot a 400? That's the, I've been telling you, bro. Bryson yeah. DeChambeau, he's the man. Oh, Bryson DeChambeau is a fucking what was, what was the distance? 417. That, he, that is so crazy. 417 yards for a golf ball? But, well, let's... Like, well, hang on, yeah, hang on. Well, one yeah. second, one second. I think... I, not, not, by the way, I'm a big Bryson DeChambeau fan, but, like, I think he cut some corners, went over the fans, right? I'll show you. And then had the wind at his back, correct? Well, I'm sure he did with the wind, because that's how you get it. I mean, Someone yeah, sounds like bit. a hater. But hey, the, listen, the, not me. Not with that motherfucker. The bigger Dude, thing I is watched golf for that guy. How hard it... Yeah, same. So everybody else hit on the fairway over here on the left. This is, that's where it's safe to hit. And then he's, you knock it over to the other he place. He skipped all that shit and went over here. Dude, he's a gangster. So is that a crazy move that well, no one does? Well, it's because you have yes, to clear yes, all yes, of it. Like yes, it's yes. 400 yards to clear all of that, and most people c couldn't hit that far to, if they wanted to. Plus, there's a bunch of people standing here. You're going to hit somebody. And so how many strokes does that add? It, it takes well, away. It takes away. Green, I mean, a benefit him. At Excuse least me. one. At least no, one. No, 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 definitely. But, no, because no one, no one at 305 is going to get onto the green from there. So they all have to lay up. Yeah. And he's literally, he I, I think he was that. 70 yards away from the green. 72, yeah. 72 so years, is this yeah. the new thing, like super athletes who know how to whack a ball That's accurately? what Tiger Woods started in the 90s, um, which I was when you brought up domination earlier, I was going to bring up his stats of making 120 cuts in a row and won like seven events in a row at one time. Like, that's that some always shit that made no one sense to me. It's like uh, there was a thing about golfers. I was like, these guys, you know, obviously are very good at what they do, but they don't look like regular athletes. Like, what if a regular athlete started <laughs> playing golf? Well, I think that was what Tiger did. Yeah. Exactly. Tiger, Tiger changed the game on so many levels. He made golf an event. I would watch golf with my dad on the phone. And we'd watch Tiger play. I got to say this too, though, is that Tiger was so powerful. He had so much torque that that's why he's having back problems now. Mm. And so you wonder with a guy like Bryson. By the way, Bryson just lost a bunch of weight. He looks fucking amazing. This is a video. Is of this when Australia? Tiger, no, this when they're when, attacking the police. <laughs> this is what they're Tiger blocking well, the it streets. It looks the same almost, but yeah. When he was walking up 18, the people were going so nuts that. What kind of security is this? This is bullshit. They tried. What's that guy behind him with his arms out? Bitch, put they're, your arms down. There's fucking 40,000 oh, people and one guy And they're all famous. drunk. <laughs> and they're the, all hammered. <laughs> and you got to remember, he was... Luckily, they're golf people, well, right? Oh, golf people are going to be Imagine savages. Was, that was, doesn't mean much. Yeah, golf Imagine people can be was savages. Domino's fans? Because they're mostly just drunk guys. See, you get, so, so... Rugby fans? John Daly came in first. 
John Daly came in first. He came as in his amateur in the U.S. Open, correct? Mm-hmm. And came in and started hitting these monster drives, like 350, 375. And everyone rallied, and he had a mullet. He was like Theo Vaughn, but right. fat and blonde. Right. God, man, he With is a cigarette a, in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Look at this motherfucker. Cigarette in his mouth. D- uh, Back I mean, in the day. A real gangster in golf. I mean, when you say... when is we he talk- from Florida? Because if he's not, I'll be depressed. Oklahoma. <sighs> Close enough. If you say yeah, if you say hero, that's one of my heroes right there, right? So John Daly comes in, starts hitting monster drives, and everyone's on, everyone's on the tee box going, grip it, rip hair. it, John, grip it, and rip it. And now I know why you're into Patty. Patty Pembleton, go to that picture <laughs> yeah. you showed me. Yeah, you give me a fucking good hair. Right, that one in the lower oh, right. That one down there, down there to the right hand side, to yeah. the right hand side, all the way over, all the oh, way right over. Here, yeah, man. no, right there, right above that one. Oh, my bad. Sorry, I back. Yeah, with the goofy. Yeah. <laughs> that one. That is. That's, that's that is. Patty that is Patty Patty Pimpleton. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that smile in the Florida man. face. He, and, was, and, he was denied his true birthright of Florida. Dude, someone fucked up. He should have been born in Florida. Someone came. A sponsor came to him and said, three million dollars. We want. We want to send you to rehab, though." And and he looked at him and said, "I'm good." And took a sip. Dude, can I tell you, Joe? When I say so, TPC, 1997. He's in uh, in St. Augustine, right? I think he went into rehab right after this, if I'm not mistaken. All right, should have taken the money. You no, fucked no, no, no. TPC, timing. 1997. I'm about to come out in Rolling Stone as the number one party in the country. And we were in St. Augustine partying our balls off, and John Daly's at a bar. And we just see him. You were there? You saw him we're at a bar? And, and we were like, hey, man. Daly seen drinking on night before he withdrew. We were you out, were there. We were, we, I almost jumped in that fucking, on, on Hole 17, naked. I almost what? jumped in. It was, uh, thank God I didn't. Wait a minute. So you're there, drinking with John Daly the night before he withdraws the night from an event. The from night he's at a being bar too drunk in Saint Augustine or Jacksonville. I, I mean, we were pretty we were pretty drunk uh, also. Uh, Jack's Beach. Jack's Beach, and uh, but the tournament's in Saint Augustine, if I'm not mistaken. And so we all went out to see that, and John Daly's there, and every, my, my buddies hit me like, "That's John Daly," and he, and all I remember out of that whole fucking night was he was. And I know that he withdrew the next day, but he was so accessible. He was so nice. He was not being an asshole. He was having fun. He was having a good time. And he's right. a professional athlete. And I remember thinking, everyone. And I was like, I was like, that's the guy I want to be. Like that's the guy. It says right here, he kept the crowd going. O'Neill said it was obvious he was there to have a good time. By the time he left, he definitely was feeling very little pain. <laughs> This guy, man, this guy is, he was like, I would go to golf tournaments with my dad to watch this guy play. Cause it, wow. Because he would come in, and he, you know, it was a little touch and go. Sometimes he'd be a little shaky, you know? Because he hammered. Hammered the night before, and sometimes he just fucking destroyed. And it was nothing more fun to watch him just. Do you think that influenced your future choices? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a hundred. My you know heroes. why this is funny? Do you know the story about you and Tom when you were playing tennis against each other? No. Wait, why? Tom hired a coach. Oh, yeah. And Tom worked with his coach, and he was practicing with his coach, and the coach said, listen, you got your fundamentals down. You're doing great. He goes, this guy's drinking all night. He's like... Unless he's some sort of fucking John Daly type dude. And Tom goes, no, no, no. He's exactly a John Daly type dude. He goes, then the coach goes, oh, shit. And then he just showed up with a fucking somewhere out of nowhere. See if you get video of this. 
the, the, the tennis match. It's got to be online. Out of nowhere. You got a legit Division One <laughs> serve. Like, who the fuck saw this coming? Bert Kreischer has a legit oh. Division One tennis serve. And you just fucking oh. smoked those balls past oh. Tommy Buns. Oh, my God. He was in such agony. Oh, he was so bummed out. He was so sad. I remember his son showed up, and they made him leave early because he didn't want his son to see it. Did you at any point in time think of yelling out to him, you should have stuck to the dance-off? No. no. Dude, I remember watching him not be able to return. It was, like, awkward. Like, it wasn't It wasn't even hitting the strings on his racket. It would hit the handle and Did shoot you, up in the air. You have a sick serve. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, if you develop that thing, like, some dudes are just really good at shooting fucking three-pointers. You know, there's, like, guys who yeah. just have this touch, and you watch them do it, and you're like, what the fuck? How are you doing that? I, well, I played tennis. Here's the other thing is I played tennis and golf, and, and I, was a, I was an athlete. I know I don't look like it now, but I was an athlete all growing up. I believe you. And so I love, I love the beauty of a sport and, like, the, the finesse. You know, with golf— I, I played with God, Tom and Ari, and uh, when we were in Atlanta to, for the for the we went to the thing for the sober October thing, yeah, or whatever. Oh, I would like to go with you guys and play golf and just talk shit. <laughs> oh, I would just like to keep smoking joints and you keep talking shit. That's half the fun. Yeah, the, uh, but but it was we had so much fun, and then Ari played like golf for college. I think who's better at golf. Uh, Ari or you guys? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I, you know me. I would never ever say anyone but me. But like, that's right. my brain. No, I get it. I, I remember when you told me you could do the splits. Yeah, and I did. Never done one. You couldn't get even close. And I remember to the you look on your face. You're like, you've never done the splits. And then you asked me if I could do the splits, and I said, yeah. And <laughs> and then I did it. And you go, holy shit, you could do the splits? I go, I just told you. Yeah, yeah. And you didn't believe me. I definitely was better than Ari and Tom in golf, and I drank. <laughs> Hardcore that whole fucking I don't think day. That counts. You can't like you don't add uh, points I, if you're hammered. Uh, I I do and I don't. I was gambling with them hardcore and destroyed them in golf. But I'm but they're not like I don't. I, I you, that, golf is different for me. We grew up playing golf in Florida. Like the, your mom would drop you off the golf course and you just play. You have to fight alligators and dude, we Cubans. go. Swim, you hit a ball in the fucking lake and you go in and get it. No way. And yeah, go in and get but it. There's alligators in there. Hey, that was part of going but up. Wait, Florida. what year? What, what year were you down there? Who's this? That's Ari. Oh, this is Ari. Ari's got a pretty Recently. good swing. He played like collegiate golf. Shoes. He's wearing fucking clogs. What is he wearing? But that's oh, it's terrible. Okay, pull up Burt Kreischer golf swing. He plays go ahead, golf Jamie, like pull he up plays Burt pool. Kreischer golf swing. PXG. Oh. By the way, that PXG guy, I told you about him. No. Bob Parsons. What? Bob Parsons. What are you saying? Bob Parsons owns PXG. What are PXG. these words you keep using? Go Fuck daddy. Hammered. <laughs> he does He does ecstasy tr uh, <clears throat> for PTSD stuff. Oh. Yeah, oh, I that works. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. It does work. Yeah, that's the whole MAPS protocol. MAPS, yeah. yeah, it's MDMA for PTSD, and they've used it with soldiers and domestic go, violence. So this is your boy right here, football players. This is them doing me okay, a fitting at PXG. Wow, this is a seven iron. Damn, dude, that's impressive as fuck. Numbers, seven iron numbers. Oh, hey, yeah. Is that the same as yours? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's much. a thing about pool. <laughs> Uh, what? When you play pool, like there's a magic number uh, that if someone can hit the break shot at 30 miles an hour, it's crazy. 
Really? 30 miles an hour is bananas. Shotgun like, break. See, what is the uh, fastest break shot in pool, like Guinness Book of World Records? I think it's in the 30s. I think some dude hit like 35 or 36 or something like see, that. See, that's what I live life for, though. Bre- records and- I don't give a shit if you if how I play pool. But if you look at me and you go, God damn it, that's a fucking shotgun yeah, break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew a dude named Rob. He was- uh, I forget. I don't want to say what we really called him, but he, was, he had one eyeball that wasn't totally looking at you. Yeah. And this dude was giant. He was a big dude. He was like six foot two, but like thick, big fucking Eastern European looking motherfucker. Yeah. And he had a crazy break. And he used to play pool at White Plains Billiards, or Executive Billiards in White Plains, New York. We would watch. Just everyone would watch when he breaks. Could be like, watch, watch, watch. Rob's breaking. Rob's yeah. breaking. Like, bang! He was just this gorilla of a person. He was so big. He was like, there's certain dudes that, for whatever reason, just nature has provided them with like larger limbs, bigger forearms. Explosivity. When I watch yeah. you kick, when you when you kick, you, there's this weird thing that uh, that I don't have or like a regular person doesn't have, and it's just like uh, I don't know if it's fast twitch. Pat McAfee calls it explosivity, where you just go, pop, and not everyone has that. Well. I think there's a time that you have to develop it, and you really? have a time. Yeah, I think I think it directly. This is from my own personal experience. I think it like directly corresponds with how your body is developing. So do you think there's a time a period in your life yeah, when that I think, started? Yeah, I think there's like a thing that happens if you do it before puberty. So I got into it like at at puberty. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So I got into like I took like kung fu when I was young, and then I didn't have like uh, like four or five years with nothing, and then I took a karate. I was at a karate place for a little bit, and then I went to taekwondo when I was fifteen. So when I was kung fu. I, when I learned a little bit of it, very little. I, I, I would practice a little bit. Like I would throw some kicks like they showed me, and I figured out how to use my body a little bit. And you saw I was fucking around. I was, I was a little kid. I would, like, throw crescent kicks and shit like that. But I didn't necessarily, like, uh, practice it until I was legitimately, like, 14, then 15. 14, a little bit of karate, and then 15, I got, like, hardcore. And I think that, like... As like 15 and 16 and 17 as a man, that is when your body is filling with hormones and you're growing and you're coming into yourself. And I was doing it at the same time I was learning how to throw kicks. So I think that's what helped me. Okay. So I've always said this. Like when, when I got injured, I, I thought I'll, I'm going to recover fine because I've always, I've always done arms. My whole life I've done arms. And I've that definitely helps, right? Big arms. And I go, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to bounce back. But I wondered, like, I didn't. I've, I've been. Not, I haven't done anything to ex- to do the strength of my arm because I was like, I don't want to re-injure it. I want to let the doctors right. tell me what to do. But I, my whole life, I think because I grew up in Florida, it's buys and tries. Every day is fucking arm day. Right. And I always, I don't have defined arms, but I have big arms. Gun where, show, son. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. like you fuck your wife like this, and she sees it. Whoa. Not your wife, you know what I mean. Your wife. Yeah, yeah, my wife. I get my wife. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you doing like a palm on the shoulder or are you choking a bitch? I don't choke. I'm not. That, <laughs> I wish I had that confidence. <laughs> I wish I had confidence to go. Oh, you know, Some like women that. want that. They grab your hand. They I force am it in blown there. away by that. That's an unusual trait. That is a, that is a fucking, that is a animalistic. That's a wild bitch. I've never had one of those in my life. We can I'm, talk. 
<laughs> they exist. They're out there. I don't They're think wild I'm... folk. <sighs> you saw Ben Rothwell? You saw that picture? Yeah. Right. People are different. Yeah, people are different. People Jesus are Christ. different. I wonder I wonder if there's a like what I sometimes wonder if my wife wants that Whoa. and I don't bring it. Why don't you talk to her? Well, I brought it up one time. I was like, "Hey, do you want me to tie you up?" She was she like, "No." You do it on MDMA. Yeah, take some fucking ecstasy and talk to each other. I got to wait till the kids are out of the house. Try it then. Yeah. I don't th I don't know. I think I don't know. I'm afraid of who my wife would be on next. You should be afraid. Oh. We should all be afraid of everything. That's mo where it's most fun. Yeah? Yeah. Have you, done have you done ecstasy? Oh, yeah. I only did it once. But it was uh, enough to realize two things. One, I can't do shows the night after I do ecstasy. <laughs> I found that out I the hard even, way. couldn't even read. I was sitting in a coffee shop trying to read a boxing magazine. I couldn't read. It's, it's, uh, I, I did it in St. Louis after Ari drugged me. And I was just shaking. And I was like, I'm getting through Fucking this. Fucking Ari. All those people in that crowd, Ari should owe them all a free ticket for a new show. Oh, it was a good show. It was a good show. They found <laughs> out They found out that I got in drive because I was open, honest, and I was like- That's and, hilarious. That's, and I, all right, I take it back. Someone said- uh, That's better than a regular show. I, was, I, I, was, I, go, I got drugged last night. You guys are going to hear about this on a podcast coming up. Ari Shafir drugged me, and everyone was just like, what the fuck? And it was, you know, it was fans, so they were like- but yeah, I, I that was, I was that was I can't. I'm not an XC guy, although it's pretty fucking awesome. Here's the thing: the problem is the come down. Oh, it's come down's horrible. Do you know that that's one of the reasons why Onyx got started? XC. <sighs> Aubrey came up with an idea for a product called Roll On and Roll Off. off. I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. A, it, yeah. It was the first products he came up with. When Aubrey and I started talking about doing like what a year company. What It Maybe 2010. Okay. Somewhere around then. So I'm, I might be wrong. He might have uh, already had it. But I remember he brought it to me and he said, like, this is like for people to get off of ecstasy. Uh, 5 HTP enhances your body's ability to produce dopamine. That's tough. I, yeah, look, and then I, look, tryptophan, I'll swear by that guy. Yeah, and then That's tryptophan tough. converts to 5 HTP. So 5 HTP is legit. Yeah. If you're going through an episode, like, I don't know whatever the fuck your episodes are, but like, I, I do OCD anxiety episodes, airports, yeah. uh, uh, fucking the day before I fly. And. That 5-HTP actually fucking works. It definitely does. It's like a building block for human neurotransmitters. It's a building block for dopamine. It's a building block for the like literally the chemical that makes you happy. And Neil Brennan was the first person who told me about it. The f I was li I was driving back from Sa Sacramento with my family in the car. I had headsets in, listening to you and Neil Brennan in your in your house when you did the podcast yeah, in your house. Yeah. And Neil Brennan said, "I can't use my." SSRIs while I use 5-HTP. Yeah. And they, then I was like, said, that shit must work. Yeah, they said that he had to get off the 5-HTP. HTTP. Yeah. It's, is HTTP the website? Mm-hmm. HTP is what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. It's a problem. I might take a couple tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm going to be firing hot at the Austin <laughs> airport. It's, uh, it's, 
we have to figure out like what's the optimal balance for all those things that are in your head. Dude, give me a serotonin and dopamine, a little bit of mushrooms, adrenaline and cortisol and all that shit. Oxytocin. I won't take it all the time. I just want I what I want is get up in the morning. It's like it's five in the morning. You got to catch a flight and just a pill like Xanax used to used to be. Well, you can take a Xanax and you just be like cool yeah but, but then you start freaking out and it takes a year off your life yeah xanax turns your brain into mush well getting off it apparently is one of the hardest things to do oh that's those... the jordan peterson thing yeah what what was that i never heard about that dude, until late dude he benzodiazepine apparently is one of the rare things that when you are addicted to it if you get off of it and you quit cold turkey you can die it's in a group of a small group of other things that are addictive. Like alcohol is another one. Alcohol, yeah. if you get if you're an alcoholic and you just cold turkey quit alcohol, you could die. Yeah, uh, you yeah. got to drink a lot though. I mean, it's like for anyone listening, it's trust me when Amy I, I drink. Winehouse a lot. was not that old, man. No, no, not that old. But you have to drink. You you kind of got to drink. And I'm look, I'm not a doctor, but you kind of got to drink the second you wake up and the second you go to bed. Since and we've we have already, all had those days. Since we've already violated copyright law, Amy Winehouse, put that rehab oh. song on. Put that rehab song on. What Let's listen to this. She was amazing, man. I remember I heard her sing. I was like, what is this? And then I saw her in a video. Let me see a video. She was beautiful, too. She was beautiful, but it's like she was from another era. And if my daddy thinks I'm bad, I'm fine. I'm fine. Go, go, go. go right here. Here we go. At home. <laughs> I don't have it either, Amy. Salute, my brother. Salute. Cheers. Whiskey. You know what she was? She was authentic. I think people recognize all the elements of their self in her. If 
you have an intervention with me when I walk in the door, start playing this song. <laughs> no, keep playing it. No, no, no. And with this announcement, fuck Sober October. Burn Fuck out. it. We're out. We're out, baby. We're going Amy Whitehouse. Fuck it. I'm going hard as shit in the paint. We're going Amy Whitehouse October, bitches. I want I want rehab November. <laughs> We're all in for October. It's blackout October. I'll take January off. I'll take it off. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She was so good. Uh, authentic, man. There's no dentistry going on in her fucking history. She doesn't need perfect teeth. She's perfect. Dude, she doesn't. Imperfectly perfect. I can't got the time. But my daddy thinks I'm fine. I can't got the time. I said no. No, no. Come on, son. God damn it, man. That's what that is, life's that is all about. That is what that's what is. life's all about. It's like there's trades off. There's trades. Like you have trade-offs. Like do you want a long life eating granola? Or do you want to get crazy and make some fucking amazing hits? I want I tell you what I want. Oh, it's so crazy. I'm right? gonna cry. I'm gonna cry. It's Tommy's oh, I'm gonna cry. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna hold it back. Cry, I'm gonna bitch. hold it back. I'm gonna hold it back. Come on, don't hold it back. Tommy. Look at Eskimo right now. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Tommy asked me what I wanted at my funeral today. Oh, Jesus. He goes, hey, man. He's a ruthless friend. We're just, we're just, we're just bullshitting. <laughs> Is this a five-hour podcast? We're driving by a, 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 a graveyard, and I say, I go, hey, do you want to be uh, buried or cremated? And he goes, well, I don't know. He's like, you know, I'm Catholic. I think I want to be buried. Tommy's Catholic? Yeah, it was, my, yeah his mom's a fucking soccer fan. And so <laughs> he goes... He goes, uh, his mom's a soccer fan. <laughs> he goes, uh, I think I want to be buried. And, and he goes, but I'd rather be cremated. And he goes, what about you? I said, I want to be buried. I would and be he, buried if they didn't fuck with me first. The real problem is they want to fucking embalm you. They want to fill your veins up with formaldehyde and preserve your body in some unnatural state so that bacteria and, and worms and nature can't really absorb oh, you. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like you're supposed to be absorbed. <laughs> you shouldn't be in a box. Let the tree just eat me up. Fuck boxes, man. If they, you, it, I, The day that we can figure out who killed everybody, like whether or not you, like, you actually murdered somebody so we don't have to exhume oh. someone and do some fucking Michael Baden domestic evidence... Forensic, rather, evidence like that fucking HBO autopsy show. Oh. The mushroom suit digests your body after you die. That's what I'm talking about. I, I, I want that. I, can't I want even to think contribute to the earth. I, this I is what mind, we're supposed to do. I, if you could plant me into a tree and then have me be a part of the tree, and but have me Listen be like a me. protected tree. Avatar. Huh? That tree, the tree that gives you all the little light things come oh, down. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to have. We're supposed to die and become a part of nature. We're how not do I supposed get, to. How do I get that? We got to stop using funerals. We got to stop using coffins well, no, from Alabama. Tommy said he goes. Do you want a funeral? Oh, uh, you I, wanted that? I, I, I want a Viking funeral no. on a fucking boat on fire in the middle of a lake. For real? The bio? Yeah, hundred percent. The biodegradable. Are you kidding me? How do you want to die? I, I, I already, you want to just die? You want to be buried in some fucking stupid suit that you've never worn before in your whole life? No. All of a sudden you got a suit and your veins filled with chemicals no. made by some weird 
company that doesn't give a fuck about you and you're like just like no, deserved. No. My point is, you got glass eyes. I, I want the party. Makeup I want the party. on. I want the party. Oh, I want the I want the funeral. I want a funeral. I want a funeral. That's number okay, one. Okay, what kind of you want everybody to be sad? Oh, are you shitting me? Yeah, I want a lot of people. By the way, you're going to be crying too. Just for the record. You're gonna, I you're like gonna, that you acknowledge you're going to die before me. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> I appreciate your... I, oh. I want, don't do it. I forgot to tell you. What? I saw a mountain lion two days ago. Like a real mountain lion. No, three days ago. A real, legit, bona fide, terrifying mountain lion. Where? Like an enormous mountain lion. In Utah, I'm, I've seen three mountain lions in my life. The first two were very small. The first one, it was in the distance. It looked like a, like a if I had to guess, like a coyote size. It was small, a small like, animal. Uh, size, size, 140, 140 pounds? Less, way less, like okay. 50, 60 pounds okay. at the most, at the maximum. The second one I saw was exactly the same kind of size, like maybe 60, 70 pounds. Yeah. This motherfucker was like 170 pounds Holy at least. Shit. It was huge. It had a pumpkin head. I mean, like this big. It was 30 yards from the truck we were on. We were driving down this road, and I was with my friend Colton, and he yells out, There's a mountain lion. There's a mountain lion. He hits the brakes, and his headlights of his truck light up the side of the road 30 yards away, and I see these glowing eyes and this giant cat. And it's like maybe like right before the sun goes down, but the sun's up, so it's kind of dusky. And I get my binoculars out, and I'm looking at a giant cat. I mean, huge forearms. I mean, the it's sitting there under a tree like this, looking at us. It's so big. It has massive paws. Massive forearms, shoulder. It's it's the whole bulk of its body. I'm like, that's as big as me. It's a cat as big as me. It's so big, dude. And then it just takes off. It just runs into the trees. And my friend gets out of the car and he looks around. He's like, holy shit! I had seen this thing. Where were you? Where were you? In Utah. I saw in the mountains, deep in the mountains. I had seen this thing with my binoculars. It was on a dirt road. It, I, I saw this thing so clearly, this big cat, and I, and I remember thinking to myself, imagine all these people, <laughs> imagine, imagine all these people that are like, you should keep the mountain lions alive, it's so important, they're amazing animals! And these people are out jogging, and that motherfucker just by hook or by crook, uh, by zig or by uh, zag, just happens to be on the trail. And they run into this fucking 170 pound super predator cat. How quickly they turn on that. It's like that old Colin Quinn jerk. He goes, Did you see this video? Yes, I did. The lady was running was. by. That was a good sized cat, but that was like right a now, but that was like an eighty pound cat. That's a little cat. Not maybe not Still, even. Still, I, I tried to get a fucking ten pound cat into a fat cat bag. Dude, it was a shit show. Dude, I had a cat that I tried to get spayed. I caught. I had a wild cat at one point in time in my life. I had a feral yeah. cat when I first lived in uh, California. Of course you did. Of course you did. I, I had to take two weeks off, or uh, no, two weeks off. That's a lie. Two days <laughs> off. <laughs> And uh, just sleep with this cat in a bedroom to get it to like me. Yeah. I, my friend, my friend Lainey, her and her boyfriend found a bunch of cats that had made a bunch of kittens underneath their apartment. 
And she said, we rescued these kittens. There's like six of them. Do you want one? I go, okay, I'll take one. And I didn't know they were, I didn't know what feral meant. Yeah. She told me they were under the, I didn't understand. They were wild cats. Yeah. So I'm in this apartment. It was a house, rather. I was renting in Encino. And this fucking cat. I tried to like let it out of the cage. Like, yeah. And it starts running up the fucking drapes and freaking out. <laughs> yeah. And then when I eventually slowly corner it, I would touch it. And when I put, touch it and pet it a little bit, it would go. <laughs> and it would start petting and purring rather. And I go, oh, this little thing just doesn't understand what I am. And yeah. it's scared and doesn't know what to do. I go, okay. <sighs> okay. So I got a pile of books. And uh, I went into this bedroom in the spare house that I had in Encino, and I stacked the books, and I brought cat food, and I brought a litter box. So I put a litter box over here, okay. and I had the cat food in there, and I just read books. And I hung out with this fucking cat for days. And me and this cat, like, slowly became friends. I started petting his head. And he that, that is so different than the man I am. I would never, I would never, like, there's a, there's a, that's a, a, a representation of your sensitivity of, like, that you want to connect with an animal. I kind of look at an animal, if it doesn't want to connect with me, I'm like, oh, I, I get it. We're not cool. Like, I just, I'm, I, I've never been, a, I've never been a cat guy for one. I'm a dog guy, but I'm kind of like, I think you're just different than I am. Like, I have two dogs, three dogs, <laughs> two dogs, three dogs. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm different than I was. Like, I wouldn't do that today. I don't have the time to be spending two days with a fucking crazy cat. But what was that part? What was, it, what was that? What was that part of your personality that was? Because I was a refugee too. I was like, I understood what this cat was going through. He got oh, a bad yeah. fucking hand of cards. That's my wife. That's yeah, my wife is all people. Is, my wife is a refugee in like her life, and she goes, uh, animal. She connects more with animals. I wish she talked to me the way she talked to animals, like this. She goes, What about? What are you saying? Like I <laughs> fucking, I, I get up. What about sex? Uh, I, <laughs> I wish you talked to me. I wish you talked to me the way she talks to this dog. Get down, get down. Let's go. No, but she's terrorists. She, she gets up and then it's like she'll be tired and exhausted, and I'm like, hey, you want to hang out? She's like, I got a busy day. And then you'll hear her in the other room. She's like, too too bad. How you doing? Like she'll sing songs to the to dog them, to all of them, and I go. How do I get that personality to me? You gotta stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is we talk, and we all talk, and we're like, "Bitch, that's not hundred percent what you mean," and that gets other people upset, and then they don't—they oh. don't want to talk to you. Is your wife? Is your wife a big dog. animal person? No, not really? really. She loves Marshall. Well, Marshall's a different animal. Yeah, Marshall's like a weird human sort of slash dog thing. How was he? Was he? How could you acclimate him to the new house? Oh, it's so easy. Really? It's so easy. He doesn't care as long as you're there. He was He's just... so easy. He's the best dog of all time. That dog, like, I got an Instagram page. It's Marshall May Rogan. That dog is a weird dog, man. He's like, he's an empath. Like, he knows how you're thinking. He knows really? what he's. I hate when people say that about their dogs, like. As a reveal, like yeah. I hate it, but the reality is, some dogs they're tuned into you. That dog's tuned into me. Like yeah. I can look at him, I go, "What bitch?" And he'll come over and start licking my face. I go, "What bitch?" <laughs> and then I'll like I'll be on my back, and he's like kissing me. He knows what I'm playing. He knows really? he knows fucking with him. Yeah, he knows fucking with him. And wow. then he also knows like pure love. 
like when I get up in the morning, one of the first things I do, one of the first things I do in the morning after I say hi to my family and everything like that, I go to Marshall and I go, good morning, sir. Good morning. And he gets so excited. He runs and grabs a toy and he starts whimpering and running around in circles. I go, good morning, sir. Like he wants like the you know, morning not, to be not a big the deal. Av- the average American that has a dog doesn't do that. I don't know, man. I don't know. A lot of people do. It's like the thing about dogs is like they are what you – it's a weird animal in that there's some anim, There's some dogs that are like legitimately always great. And one of those is Marshall, the golden retrievers. They're like legitimately always like super sweet family type dogs. Yeah. They're, they're a great breed. But the other thing is like what you put into that dog is how that dog treats you. And, like, I see that with Marshall. Like, in the morning, we have this little weird ritual. I go, good morning, sir. And he's like, oh, oh. And we, I make a big deal out yeah. of it. I make a big deal out of it with him. And he gets all excited. So when he sees me in the morning, his tail's fucking going like crazy. And we have fun together. It's like, yeah. it's like there's a thing that's ha- If I just treated the morning like normal parts of the day, come on, you want to go outside? Go outside. Go take a shit. Come on, let's go. Back inside. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Like, I don't care. Like, I made every morning, like, a special event. Like, oh, look at you. And he lies on his back. He's like, pick my tummy. Uh, it's 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 a different kind of dog, man. I've had a bunch of different dogs in my life. A, what was the one? What was the uh, Johnny Cash was? What kind of dog? He was a Regency Mastiff. He was a super, super, super sweet dog. He was a great dog. He was wonderful, but he had a real problem with his joints. He was a big dog. And as he got over, it was devastating. Like... Towards the end of his life, uh, he couldn't really walk anymore. So I had to carry him from the backyard into the house because he would move like maybe at the most 10 yards from the door. That was the most towards the end of his life. And I would say at the end of the night, I'd be like, you hungry, buddy? You want to eat? And he would like get up and like look at me and I would just lift him. And he was like 140 plus pounds and I would carry him into the house and I would set him down in front of his food and I would feed him. And then I would uh, let him go outside to go to the bathroom and then I'd pick him back up and bring him out, back inside. And then at a certain point in time I was like, oh my God, I don't wanna just see him die in pain over a period of several weeks. And like the most humane thing would be to, like, to figure out mm-hmm. when's the right time to stop this and, and, and you know put him down. It was the saddest fucking it was so sad, man, because he was such a like a genuinely sweet dog. Oh, he was so sweet. Those mastiffs are uniquely sweet. Like they're so big, but they're so sweet. We got we had uh, Priscilla for a long time. It was the greatest dog in the world. <clears throat> I had to put her down. I, t- I ended up telling a joke about her at Red Rocks, and uh, and crying on stage and just. Oh. But, but you know what? It's like fuck it. You're, if you're a dog person, you get it. You don't give a fuck. Yeah. And if you're not a dog person, then go fuck yourself. I don't, I don't, I, I, dude. Shots if not, fired. If you're not a dog person, I don't think I want to know you. You know, like if you're not an animal person, like I love. Yeah, but what if you got bit by a dog when you're four? My sister, my sister. Damn, that's what I'm talking about. You're yeah. so rude to your sister. But like, uh, and then we now we got, we got Did two. Did your sister bull, come got, over your house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got two bull mastiffs. Did she get sketched out? A little bit sometimes. Cause yeah, maybe you got, should be such a fucking shitty brother and put those <laughs> dogs in a room. <laughs> Yeah, maybe she should uh, learn how to talk to a dog. Get a gun. <laughs> Get a gun. <laughs> we got two bull mastiffs, and they're fucking 
I, I love these goddamn dogs. Mastiffs are great dogs because they're literally designed to protect people. But yeah. the thing about them is they're so big that a lot of them have joint problems. You know, I'm worried about that with Mac, our big one. Big Mac is uh, it's like 140 pounds. The biggest fucking head you've seen. What kind Not, of dog? Bull Mastiff. Bull? Bull Mastiff. Do, and you, then, do you have a Neapolitan? No, we have a, we have another uh, Bull Mastiff, Izzy, which is the reverse brindle that you hit me up and you're like, that's a good looking dog. Beautiful dog. Um, Izzy's a fucking lunatic, but Mac is like a fucking stand at the door, like look like a badass. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it, and it is fucking awesome yeah because you got like some big thing that's protecting you from the outside world yeah, yeah that's I why on, they were designed i go on the road and then you got this fucking 140 pound monster and my dog now that's my wife that and my dog <laughs> that was a mom joke <laughs> <laughs> edit that out <laughs> but but no, it's, it's great to have this fucking monster sitting yeah. in your front door that that people are like going like hey, is your dog cool and you're like Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes he gets sketched out by salesmen. He gets fucking worked up and then scares the shit out of people. But that Johnny Cash, I remember meeting Johnny Cash. He was a sweet dog, right? I remember, because I remember reading about him, like, you got him through Fear Factor, right? Yeah. One of the guys who was a uh, trainer of one of the attack dogs we used on Fear Factor, my friend Joe, he was breeding these dogs that were part Neapolitan Mastiff and part Pitbull. And one of the things that was amazing was how chill the dog was. So I go to the guy and his dog, his dog named Curly, and what would happen, people put on those dog bite suits, yeah. and the people would run, the dog would like attack them and throw them to the ground. And I said, this dog is so friendly. I go, how do you get him to like do what you want him to do? And he said, the, the whole thing is like, for a friendly dog, you just got to make sure that the dogs that are super aggressive, you don't breed them. So if you have a, a large stable of dogs, like when a dog becomes super aggressive towards other dogs, just don't let them breed. And the dogs that are chill, you let them breed. And then you slowly develop. He'd been doing it for decades. Yeah. You develop a, a, a breed like Marshall that yeah. like is just friendly to everybody. Yeah. And it's interesting that you, you can went- do it. It's interesting that you went from like, because you raised pit bulls that were rescues to those bull mastiffs to now Marshall, which yeah. is such a family dog. Well, I love all kinds of dogs. Like my oldest daughter has like a Chihuahua slash um, Whippet mix. He's really? this little, yeah, oh my God. He runs to me like full clip and I pick him up. I like all dogs, man. Have I you like seen French the Whippet? Bulldogs. Have you seen the Whippet pit yes. bull mix? No, it's not true. That's not what it is. Oh. What it is is the Whippet has myostatin inhibitors. It's like there's a there's a missing uh, thing in their genetics. <clears throat> that thing's fucking ridiculous. That's what it is. So it's a myostatin deficiency. And so what this is is the dog has some crazy genetic anomaly that allows it to grow many many times the muscle that a regular whippet has really yes and humans have it sometimes too so there's a rip it a whippet on the right and on the left is a whippet with Christ. this myostatin myostatin inhibitor issue but there's humans there's a german boy that was born put pull him up, up pull him german up german boy myostatin inhibitors and there's been a few boys that are born around the world where they have like 
immense muscles at like six. Like, look at that kid. Jeez. Jacked. Look at these oh, kids. Shut up. Well, that's kids on roids. Okay. <laughs> Here's another problem. This, this, Internet. This, um, yeah, like that okay, just Google. I did. German boy. Oh, that's it right there. That guy right there. Which one? What's click on that kid on the second page? I think. That is. Well, that's real. fake. That's yeah. so fake. That's not anyone else. Um. This this takes time. If you want to Google all the kids, I was spending my I was spending my night doing that. Just see if you can Google myostatin inhibitor boy. Look at that kid's bicep. It's like Roy Jones Jr. Jesus Christ. Went to a high school with a kid like that. Really? Yeah. Myostatin boy. Okay. The, the problem is some of these kids, well, that kid's a perfect example. Jesus Christ, he's jacked. Look how jacked that son is. Got it. Oh, my goodness. Do you imagine if you were in first grade with that kid and you're like, oh my God, my Dude, lunch money's gone forever? I remember being 13 with a kid like that. Uh, I wish I remembered his name. He was shaving already and he had what? muscles. He was 13, he was shaving. 13, shaving. That's not fair. And I remember like, he shouldn't pitch. When I, that's, dude, that's the same story that I had. When I was playing baseball, I was 13, I was playing baseball, and there was this kid that everybody was like, I want to see his birth certificate. <laughs> dude, I wish I remembered this kid's fucking name. He was, like, throwing heat. Exactly. And this you, kid was oh. a pitcher, too. I didn't mean Whoa. for music, but this kid's, what is this? supposedly this kid's 11 years old. He's 11. Football. Which this kid's this, 11? The, the one you're watching right here that's throwing everyone around. Oh, come on. That kid's 11? That's what How big is he? How big is he supposed to be? All right, here's my hot take. But he's so big. Oh my god, is he really eleven? Are those eleven year old? Yeah, those are eleven year old kids, and a man throwing them around. A, oh my a grown god, man. Oh my god, there's no huge. way he's eleven. Well, his mom might have lied. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's not fair. That's the thing about athletics. You know, if you like look at LeBron James versus like Mighty Mouse, it's not fair. So what what advance do you advancement do you think LeBron James has by being consistently that much bigger than all the kids his whole life and then being as big as the adults? It's a good question. Um was it uh the outliers that had this uh was that the book? I believe it was the book. It I, was. I, I read about um where they were Hockey. talking about Son, yeah, kids that were born at a certain time of the year. So if you were born at a certain time of the year, I forget what what time of the year January. was. January. You moved into the earlier grade versus the later grade. So depending upon when you were born, you could be like a kid who's like at the extreme end of 14. And you could be with someone who is just getting into 14 at the exact same time. And you all be in ninth grade. But the problem is you're way closer to 10th grade, and they're in ninth grade, and you're going to be bigger. So you're going to be able to get away with more things. You have more testosterone. You might have 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 months more yeah. development and growth, which at 14 is gigantic. So those kids disproportionately become more successful at sports. And since we already know that, why the fuck are we letting that happen? Yeah. Why, why aren't we figuring out a way to pair kids up by – the actual age, like whether it's within quarters or by size, by by yeah, 
It's the reason that all the are you they, bored? No, no, no. I'm what sorry, Johnny. The, all the pro hockey players are all born in January to February. Yeah, all of them. All the all pros. Them. All the pros. And it's like, and it's like, at a certain point, you go, well, then it's a disadvantage to any kid that I mean, I'm certain. When I say kids. all, I'm definitely wrong. I'm gonna say all and say I'm right. I'm definitely wrong. I think even Malcolm Gladwell was it Malcolm? No, it wasn't. Who's the outliers? Who wrote that? It wasn't Gladwell. Was it? It was okay. Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. Okay. Why do I think it wasn't him? There's another one called The Superman Gene. It's a similar book, but it's like... That's what it Mickey Mantle Gene? What is it? No, that's a different thing. <laughs> What's Superman Gene? I realized one thing during that whole Sober October thing that we did, that yeah. fitness challenge. I'm like, I can't be doing these because I will definitely die. Oh, you, you will. You definitely will. We will all die. No, you have that... You have that Fast trigger brain that doesn't let you just relax. That's it. The rise Stephen of Collar. Superman. Yeah. Sweet. That's right. <clears throat> Stephen Collar. The rise <clears throat> of Superman. Wasn't that was a real problem though. We were all like working out way too much. Yeah. For one month. Oh yeah. It was like you can't that's a like a Goggins thing or a Cam Haynes thing. It's like there's a certain part of your life where you have to acknowledge that that's too much time and effort. Right? It made me crazy. The first time we did it, it made me crazy. And Tom kept texting me. And he was like, you're just a comic. Let it go. You're just a comic. He kept texting you about it? Yeah, because I was, I was losing my mind. What were you losing your mind about? I was, it, was the, it wasn't the first one. Second one. When we wore the, the heart rate challenge. Yeah. yeah. And I made the mistake of challenging you. And I was like, whatever you do, I do double. And I was joking. And you were like, oh, I'll do fucking ten times. You started setting off sprinkler systems in your house. And I, I was set like, the fucking fire alarm off in my gym. And I, but it started fucking with my head because I'd wake up and I'd be like, "You're at five thousand, or is it two thousand? And I'm sitting there at like eight hundred, going like, "Fuck!" And I, I started losing. I really started losing my mind about it. Tom's like, "Hey man, we're having fun." Remember How about that? when Tom got the flu? And he had to take like four days off, and then he came back and ran thirteen miles. <laughs> and you know what he was doing? You know what he was doing? He was doing that dance video. Yeah, he was he doing sick. the dance video. He's like, "Yeah, I got sick. I'm not. I'm not going to do it." I, I went for a hike the other day, and then all of a sudden, I was like, thirteen thousand. I go, "Where the fuck did you get that from?" He goes, well, "I don't know." And then we go back, and it was that dance goddamn video. Well, I got you guys on two things. One, I got you guys on a John Wick marathon. I watched a John Wick marathon where I watched John Wick like 13 times in a row. And I got, I think I did eight hours at 145 beats per minute. I mean, that's crazy, Joe. That's fucking crazy. I want to that see is how like, far I can keep going. I, the, I, I still think about Ari on that rowing machine yeah. and when his heart rate's at like 157 and he's been doing it for an hour. Yeah. And I remember looking at that thing going like, I don't have that in me. I mean, I don't have that in me at all. I'm not competing in this. But you what do. What is this, 86%? Yeah. And then is this the Ari thing? Yeah, that's Ari. He's got 184 fucking points, keeping it in the yellow the whole time. 158. On this fucking thing. This is hard, ladies and gentlemen. Hard work. He's oh, never he's looked, the red. You he's ain't never looked better. That was, yes, fun, that was fun as fuck, Joe. Yeah, it was fun. It made me crazy, but that was fun. My wife as made me promise shit. that I wasn't going to do that again. It was so much fun waking up and seeing what you guys' numbers were. Mm. You'd look at the numbers and you go like, "All right, I got a shot." All right. This is what I think. It's good to know that you can do that. Yeah. It's good to know that 
if shit gets crazy, you could push yourself into some weird space where you're doing seven hours of cardio a day, which is what we were all doing. Oh, dude, I remember one night. But it's not good to do it all the time. It was not healthy. It's not healthy. <laughs> I remember one night I got on the treadmill and I ran. And this is when I had that fucking, that one we had to run it yourself, you know? Oh, yeah. Those are the best. Yeah, I had that one. Self-propelled treadmills. And I get off and I go in to go to bed with Leanne and I and you guys all posted your numbers at that while I was on the treadmill. And I went out in my neighborhood and I ran seven miles. And I remember being so clear on my goal and going like I'd run to get my heart rate into the fucking green or the yellow or yellow. whatever. Yeah. And then you just run and then you'd be like, All right, I'm here. And I said, and if it went to the green I should run harder. It was like the the clearest I've ever been with fitness. I did that. I, I remember that I fucked up because at the very beginning I ran like a marathon in one day and everyone was like, oh, you posted dot, dot, dot. Well, we'll show you what that was. And then all of a sudden everyone's number skyrocketed. That yeah. was the fun. That really was probably the funnest at the beginning, the funnest we've ever had sober October because it got, it got, I got way out of control. You know when it turned dark? Uh, uh, when was it for you? Ari Shafir watched a movie on his iPad while he was doing cardio, and he said it's way easier if you just watch a movie. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, he's right. I've just been just suffering, trying to get through the suffering. If you watch something that's interesting, it'll take uh. away the suffering. And so I started watching John Wick, and I watched John Wick like 150 times in a row. <laughs> God damn it. I watched I John Wick like literally 10 times in a day. I, I just remember, was watching I only seeing... the bathhouse scene. I was watching this scene where he walks up and he puts the gun to the bouncer set. He goes, and he the guy he says hello. He says, "Mr. Wick," and he said, "Oh, you've lost weight." And he goes, "Yeah, died." He speaks in Russian. And he's yeah. like sixty kilos. He's like, "Oh, impressive." And he says, "Are you here for business?" And they're afraid so, Francis. And he goes, "Why don't you take the night off?" And the guy takes the fucking earphones out. He goes, "Thank you, Mr. Wick," and he moves away. And then John Wick goes in the bathhouse and kills everyone. And I've watched that scene over and over, and I marked it on Apple iTunes or ITV or oh, I, whatever the fuck the it is. Fuck and I watched it over and over and over and over. This again. is when you broke yeah. your fucking house. The fucking fire alarm. Look, Look at, at the puddle. that sweat. <coughs> Jesus Look at that sweat. Look at that sweat. And then all, while that was happening, I was like, That's John Wick I... running through the fucking Russian bathhouse with a gun trying to kill. Dude, I did not have that in my brain. I did not have that in my brain. Like, I remember. I remember... You have it. You just got to dig. Who's carrying the boats? Weird Who's shit has to happen to you. <laughs> All right, Bert. This is a like legit record-setting podcast. How many hours, Jamie? What are we at? We're running up on five right now. Five hours, son. Let's let all these pussies online get upset and write some articles. Yeah, send them out, and then and then title them. Who's carrying the boats? Who's gonna carry the boats? Who's gonna carry the? Are you gonna carry the boats? Who's carrying the boats? That's my question. Are you really? And I need David Goggins to make that shirt. I need him to make that shirt because I want to wear that Who's shirt. Who's going to carry the boats? Because I want someone to yes. see me. The thing about merch is when they see you and they know it. Dude, my wife says that to me all the time. She'll just yell out, who's going to carry the boats? 
I mean, it's, 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 if I'm wearing that shirt and you see me and you go, who's going to carry the boats? I go, David Goggins carries the boats. I got to pee again. Good night, everybody. Love I love you, you dearly. Burt Kreischer, you're the fucking man. Love you, brother. Thank you, sir. Love you, too. Move to Texas. <laughs> I love you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>